Guys, uh, what does um, Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Tool like when when they were out on the run? You know, they were out on the highway killing people. When they were low on cash, what did they? Uh, did you hear about what what they used to eat when they were low on cash? No, what? no, Brian. Ramen. <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> boys and ghouls, to a fucking showdown. You can't eat that with uh, chopsticks. Forever. <laughs> I'm Brian. I'm Meg. It's Otis Tool. <laughs> Otis, Otis, whatever. Did, Fuck no, but that they guy. did call him Otis in the movie. Let's I was going to say, yeah, yeah, it is it, yeah. Otis, though. But it, yeah, it, the movie isn't those guys. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly, <laughs> definitely not. Um, we'll get into it, guys. But uh, you get it raw, men. Like they're, you know, yeah, raw. we get it. Yeah, they weren't yeah, cannibals, yeah. though. I know, but I'm trying to tie the joke into the characters in the movies. <laughs> We're talking that was about. like you took a j- good joke and then yeah, yeah. put it in this one and it made it a bad joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yep, 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 yep. That's, that's usually the uh, formula that I'm going for. Um, guys, we are going to talk. It's it's February, okay? Just mm-hmm. going to break Ooh, it. Did every- you guys see what I um, named the Zoom call? Yeah, February. This is how we teach people what this month <sighs> is. Is you put B R E W A R Y. I appreciate the commitment. Can I also <laughs> quickly correct Brian's joke just really fast? Mm. It's just, <laughs> just, just, just. You're giving it too much attention, but I sure. Know, but I know, but I, it, I can make it into a good joke now. Oh, you're gonna punch right. it up. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, yeah. good, good. I like that. Yeah. So, what did Jeffrey Dahmer eat in college? Mm, that's it ramen that would have been way better i was trying to make it relevant to this but but i guess it you know it 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 ultimately was throwing the baby out with the bathwater. i'm just surprised Um, you didn't come in with like an incest joke because that's actually what would have been a little bit more uh, well i liked it it's actually it's a little weird because normally you're the one bringing the bringing the incest i knew this was gonna come into play and i was gonna turn it around and i'll say hey you're the one bringing incest into the show (laughs) i just want to say guys right off the bat and we've been doing this podcast for how long year and a half Mm -hmm. i've never been the one to bring the incest that's Uh, just not really what i do but it seems to be very much what meg does and now i'm starting to see a little bit of a pattern with steve too i think this is the second time i've brought incest yeah he brought a cup this is not the first i know that it's not the first Uh, meg 40 50 times she's had <laughs> movies specifically about incest she started the show with horror. incest <laughs> incest is horrific okay that, guys sure Let's be sure real. it's just when there's a lot of like repeat bringing it up it's just like <laughs> what's i don't know going what you're trying on? to insinuate right I now i just Brian, am trying to get to the but... bottom of this <laughs> Just it's a lot to, to think me. about. That's why. Guys, we're not talking about incest. We're, we're a little bit. We're, we're a little bit talking about incest. <laughs> what we're mostly talking about is our showdown episode for the fucking horseshit mem- uh, month of February, which is uh, the topic uh, of which is micro budget gems. That's what you picked for us. So we we're talking about movies that had a very, very small budget. I think we put the 
cap at, you know, somewhere around three to four hundred thousand dollars. Obviously, we got to deal with inflation, and all that. We're not being super strict about it, um, but we are talking specifically about extremely low budget horror flicks um so as far as the genre is concerned like we've got a lot of things we can go in different directions there we have two serial killer movies we got one uh zombie question mark movie which is mine um but we're going to be jumping around to a couple different genres here today so it's gonna be real fun we're going to talk about them here movies however before we do that i do want to remind you if you want to help us to pick our topics for the showdown episodes or minisodes or whatever Follow us on the social medias at Halloween is forever or some variation on that. Search Halloween is forever on your favorite social media apps on the Instagrams and Twitters and the TikToks and uh, Facebooks and all that stuff. And you could suggest stuff for us. You should also follow us for just some general spooky ooky content on the Internet. And if you are so inclined and you like the show, write us. You know, I know everybody says this and go write us a review. It helps the podcast. It does. But also, listen, do you like stickers? Listen up. Listen up, you bitches. Do you like stickers? I know the answer is yes. Everybody loves stickers. If you review us, you screenshot it, you send it to me, I'll send you some damn old stickers in the mail. DM me on the Instagrams. Um, All right, guys. Before we get into these three flicks, which, um, boy howdy, uh, my movie was 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 a feel good romp compared to uh i mean i've seen texas chainsaw a lot of times i've seen henry portrait of a serial killer which is steve's movie once if not twice before i think twice i forgot how just (laughs) like it makes maniac seem like you know the ending of uh shawshank redemption or something like that Mm -hmm. like it is just absolutely dreadfully brutal and depressing but yeah, before we do that, before we get into all that nonsense, let's just talk about some beers. Do we got any beers in February? Is it February yeah. for Meg? Fe- yeah. February. <laughs> what are you so drinking, I already have Meg? a problem saying brewery. Like, I already brewery? have an issue. And now you're like, I, nothing I ever could address as a child. And now we're mm. fucking bringing brewery. it back. And I'm really upset with you, Steve. Or Brian. Wow. Mm. I say February. <laughs> Do you say Feber? February? February. February. <laughs> I take a wholesale, but I'm just going to start calling it February. Yeah, February. <laughs> that oh, sounds yeah, like no. a berry. Oops, yeah, I was going to say Feb. Oops, what would be a February? A Feb. February. Sherry's berries on February? <laughs> February it would be, it sounds would be like, like a cloudberry or a gooseberry. It would be something like I that. I was imagining, I immediately thought of like booberry. You know, I thought of the monster mm. cereals and February, February is like, I don't know, a Feb sounds like some sort of like inside slang term for like a gimp or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I just am imagining a monster cereal character called February and it's just like this guy with a gag ball I mean, in his is, mouth. It does which, have less days, so it does does have a handicap that's i'm not that kind of gimp (laughs) jesus meg is this the 50s can't talk like that anymore (laughs) we're talking sudberries and dawnberries and you're being fucking gross You're you making fun of people with this. Dumb, like dumb, dumb, like a dominant, dominatrix, you That's know. What exactly. Kinda. And you saw yeah. calling me gross? That's well, not you, You're making fun me. of people with disabilities, man. Yes, of you are. I'm just saying heard it has less you. days. So we it heard help. you. We heard you. <laughs> I literally heard you're you with my own my, ears. My words. Ugh, Meg Her hates usual. people with disabilities. Manipulating <laughs> what I say. <laughs> 
you make it so easy. <laughs> you just sometimes you say things. It's just like a beautiful piece of clay. You can just mold it into whatever you want. Meg, stop letting us gaslight you and tell us what you're drinking. <laughs> yeah, what's your beer for Christ's sake? All right. Well, damn January is over. So um, I picked up a crowler of beer from Golden Age. It was there mm-hmm. this past week. Yep. And I got the Foam Valley pills that they did with Old Thunder. So I get a twofer today. It's real nice. Yeah. Nice. Real, real nice. You know, I definitely had to commit to a crowler, and that's mm-hmm. fine. But I'm not drinking mm-hmm. it out of the crowler. Got a mm. little classy on here, you know. You got a nice dimpled For mug. the fans. Yeah. yeah. How is it? How's the pills? Real nice. Super clean. Um, yeah. Like mild hop character body i would probably want a little carb but i also have a crowler so that could also be the case yeah carbonation get all dicked up in them things yeah oh i also guys 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 mm-hmm. um i didn't realize i could get this beer regularly so i switched up my shit show beer as my sidecar to the montucky cold snack we got oh. cold snacks got some cold snacks at my house now um mm-hmm. yeah so that that's gonna be what i'm gonna be sipping on afterwards mm-hmm. or maybe wild it's weird the cold snacks uh uh, it's, it's a, I, I, I appreciate that it's just a hundred percent marketing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's a thousand percent marketing. Yeah. It's just, but, uh, but they do have a great bar call, like bucket of cold snacks. Hey, cold snacks. You know, <laughs> you yes. love it. Cause it's got it's the horse. Yeah. 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 Um, no, no, but also, yeah, no, no, but everything around me, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted, I would feel like I should be wearing a cowboy hat. I should tip it. For you guys mm-hmm. um no no but Ma'am. it is a beautiful can it is like has all the colors and even just it also reminds me of deftones too mm. oh yeah the white pony so, album yeah. yeah yeah it's a little bit of that deftones is an uh band that i have that i never got into and it's not because what i hear from them i don't like it's because of like a very specific one or two people in my life that i didn't like that were big deftones fans mm. you know what i'm talking about you're doing like there's a disservice a, to yourself i know there's just like in, a couple of I kids i grew up with too, that were obsessed and, with deftones i'm like yeah these guys were <laughs> douchebags yeah i was the same way with tool for a long time but then uh, i got into tool so Tool's still in that category i mean not really like no one's ruined it for me but i you know like people who love tool they might get offended i'm just like there's just so much hype and like there's songs that i like but like i just never got into them yeah. but. people are super into tool like they're yeah. really fucking into it let me get into them on my own time guys okay yeah, Don't no, yeah. get out of my face with the tool i had i had to get into it in my own time but tool fandom is the same as anime fandom you know oh, yeah. and it's just like your fan bases were always toxic all through the 90s and up to the 2000s <laughs> yeah yeah you just gotta enjoy it on your own not tell people that you're enjoying it <laughs> yeah it's a behind closed doors type of bad list too <laughs> all right steve what are you sipping on there are you sipping on some sort of i think it looks like something in some sort of coffee is that a coffee situation yeah it's it's some sort of situation <laughs> yeah steve's so got I a would, situation here see, steve's got it entered into a situation uh when i was at the wine and spirits picking up my soju oh yeah as, yeah. as oh. people remember from last episode i found mm-hmm. another thing there and it was on the clearance rack so i bought it of course mm-hmm. uh but it's just uh i guess there's a company in uh out in the philly area called trinity flavors Mm-hmm. And they do RTDs. I already hate it. Sure, <laughs> uh, but they they make uh, they make this thing called an iced Irish coffee, and it's a nine percent uh, RTD <laughs> that's made with the Lucalum 
coffee. Yeah. And Faber liquor. It kinda, okay. It's kind of not good. I don't it all like makes it. sense why it was on clearance, but <laughs> yeah. Well, this yeah. is the thing. I am. I imagine the clerks at that liquor store by Steve's house. They're like, God damn, nobody's bought this. Should we throw it away? They're like, Nah, put it on the clearance rack. Steve will drink it. <laughs> I will try things on the clearance rack because look, it was like I said, it's nine percent, and it came yeah. in a four pack, and that yeah. four pack was only seven fifty. That's a good deal. How do you beat it's that? A hot, yeah, it's a hot price. It tricked me. That's, that's now what we I know call I don't think that was yeah. tricking you, Steve, at all. It was. I don't you got what you paid for. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It was tricking me. <laughs> you got you. That is what we call in the business a hot price. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gotta try it. It's a hot price. It was, it was officially more than half off because they had a regular espresso martini ones there that mm-hmm. were $16.99 for a four pack. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. What? Eh. Uh, like, is there? I feel like there's like cult falling with like these like coffee related drinks, and I'm not saying the RTD like mm-hmm. level, but I, I'm. This is just a side story, side story anecdote here. That was a double entendre there. But I we sold like twenty plus espresso martinis last night at work. Mm. Oh, literally. Weird. Well, coffee flavored things are always popular, but especially in the in the chilly months, right? Yeah. Like I love a coffee. I mean, I like coffee. I drink coffee every single day all year round. But like as far as coffee beers, definitely in the chilly months, I'm turning to a coffee beer, although I'm kind of drinking coffee beer whenever. Um, I think people forgot, though, that there is actually espresso in it. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I'm a hard cut off coffee at like two o'clock at mm-hmm. the latest. Mm-hmm. And that's a mm-hmm. stretch. I just had us. a cup of coffee like an hour ago. Not yeah, even. You're psychotic, though. You're yeah. like a different category. <laughs> I'm addicted to caffeine. Yes. Des- desperately, <laughs> desperately and completely addicted. Does yours, does this have caffeine in it, Steve, or is it just coffee flavored? Well, I know it's, it's made by the local, uh, the La, La Colombe. Yeah. 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 There. So it's got that La in Colombe, it. La I think. Colombe. Yeah, so it's got that in it. Uh, yeah. So I, I assume it has actual coffee in it. But mm. yeah, I I also try. I've been trying to put my cutoff at pre seven o'clock. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you guys switch, switch, switch over to the sweepy time tea. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can get my chamomiles in. <laughs> can uh, we have a sleepy time T shirt? Well, yeah. but it's gonna be sweepy time yeah. sweepy <laughs> time but it's actually just brian chugging espresso <laughs> or it's sweepy time tea and it's just that little bear sitting in the in the chair you know with his little you know night cap on but somebody's yeah. coming up behind him with like a bottle of ether like putting it in his face <laughs> it just says sweepy time <laughs> sweepy time for the bear <laughs> <laughs> oh boy i am solid. drinking yeah i'm drinking something that's kind of out of uh of my normal habits here i am actually so believe it or not drinking a hazy ipa jesus <laughs> yeah i'm Do drinking you hate yourself today no no uh we made one over at the sly forks um and uh it's it's um i like that it's kind of making fun of itself. Uh, this this label, I kind of thought Baby it turned sparkles. out pretty nice. It's called Baby <laughs> Baby Sparkles Double Dry Hyped IPA. Nice. Yeah, I do like that a lot, actually. But it is. I would have uh, bought actually, it just because I was like, yeah. It's also you, six six and six point four percent. So it's like it's not mm. a mm. melt your face off like ours. Don't don't have big giant hop burn and all that bullshit like a, a lot of other ones do. So it's got the mouthfeel. Obviously, it's it's you know 
intensely dry hopped, but it's not hot burn. It's not boozy. Just like a relatively nice, easy drinking uh, hazy IPA. But it's got like I just don't drink these beers that often. Mm-hmm. I do have a backup of pills, as you might expect. Um, of but uh, man, when you poured this thing into the fucking glass, you could smell it from a foot away as soon as you started to pour it. Um, but yeah, I've actually been. You know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bullshit. I've been getting a little bit back into the IPA scene lately, especially with I've got a little uh, kind of fun project started up here um, that I'm gonna be doing on on the beer side. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about it down the road. Um, but it has uh, caused me to step outside of my grumpy old man lager only <laughs> um, comfort zone as of I late, hate it. Uh, which has been kind of fun. It's kind of re-energized my, you know, uh, sense of whimsy and wonder around craft beer, which is kind of fun. I hate so that you can get So you can get yeah. back into soft baby kisses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing, I'm going to start drinking. I'm just going to start chugging puree just literally out of, out of the five gallon bucket. Hell yes. Hell yes. Yeah. Jelly donuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> With the uh. B is added away, let's get into these movies. For those of you who are, are maybe new to the show or this is your first showdown episode, perhaps this is how it goes. We're going to talk about the movie that we selected that was associated with the topic that you, our social media friends and listeners, helped us pick which was micro-budget gems. We each picked a movie associated with it. We're each going to talk a little bit about that movie. We're going to argue about it a little bit. Um, somebody's going to come out with a pillowcase full of tacks, throw them on the mat. Somebody else is going to come out there hanging vertical suplex into a chair or into a table, something like that. Somebody's going to get the, the belt upside the head. Ultimately, we're going to vote. Somebody's going to end up taking home that motherfucking championship strap for the month of February. Um, I regret to inform you, Meg is the defending champ, which means... I was means, also going to add that I yeah. think... Can we agree, though, that I would probably be the one to come out with tax? I think I would. Yeah, I would say you 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 you, lean, you remind me more of like the hardcore champ type type mm-hmm. character, right? I would definitely you're, get violent. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm more of a... I'm a, I picture myself as more of a Bret Hart type. You know what I mean? I'm more of a technical. I'm more of a technician in the ring. Meg's coming out Dudley boy style just for bringing chairs down the ramp with her. Uh, where's Steve at? Steve. Steve's more. Of, I, I feel like Steve got more of the gravitas. Steve's more of an of a taker type. Taker mm. came yeah. in that yeah. in that ring. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I'll do fucked up stuff, but it doesn't have to be every match. <laughs> no, no. It's not gonna be every match. It's not gonna be every match. Um. All right, so uh, what that means is Meg gets to pick, uh, you know, the order in which we do this, some bitch. Mm. So what's going to happen here? I'm for sure. I think I'm going to go in the middle, but I'm trying to decide because it's funny you know, how Brian- that's become the norm. Like it used to be that you wanted to go last or first, but now whoever picks puts themselves in the middle. I feel like. Mm-hmm. You're, that you're just so become observant. Th- that's just Thank become you, the thing. Listen, I don't don't become the best there is, best was, best there ever will be by not being observant. <laughs> if I want to be a technician of the game, but I'm trying to decide, um, and this shouldn't take that long. But of like, <sighs> Brian, you're a wild card because you're like, I'm gonna keep it tight tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna like no BS. So I'm like, I'm gonna try. Yes, because I usually talk way to, like, too much. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna have Brian. I think I'm gonna have you go last. I think Ooh, I'm gonna have Steve started out. Shit. Mm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. But I also right. feel like oftentimes when I go last, because you guys talk so much, I just like fly through my shit. 
Mm. Well, yeah, listen, well, it's, it's your it's, decision. This isn't a fucking therapy is. session, Meg. You tell strategy. us what to do. <laughs> it's a strategy. Sometimes we just like to wear, just wear you down and make you go you know, <laughs> as fast as possible through your yeah. stuff. Because wow. I mean, you're tired and you want to go to bed. One. Let's remember that. Um, I didn't couldn't wink properly there. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> You really, you really botched that wink for your audio wink <laughs> yeah. for the audience. A real botch job on that wink. <laughs> um, yeah, let, let's fucking rock and roll. All right, Steve, you're up. Okie dokie then. Yes. So I picked Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Uh, this was made by John McNaughton all the way back in the year of 1986. And I made- didn't realize this movie's that old, actually. Yeah, it actually, I mean, it had uh, the the version that you s- is on Tubi is supposedly the uh, 30th year anniversary version. So, you know, so if you watch it on there, then you see that on the cover art. And uh, just to stick with the micro budget thing to point that out, it was made for around one hundred and ten thousand dollars. Hundred. Yeah. One hundred and ten thousand uh, dollars. And then if you do the inflation, it's like, oh, it's almost like uh it's over a quarter million now. Mm-hmm. So it's still, that's still way under the micro budget thing. Uh, and basically if you watch this movie and you've watched any Frank Henenlotter, John McNaughton is to Chicago, what Frank Henenlotter is to downtown New York city. In yeah, the it's a town. Yeah, exactly. I just realized I, I didn't, I, I, I didn't realize this until just now the weird, I think it was only a one season show that like a lot of people talk about as like one of the the shows, those great shows that were that were canceled too soon. John from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, he directed this. He directed John from Cincinnati or at least an episode of John from Cincinnati. Interesting. Yeah, really yeah, the, left field. I'm just seeing that now. Yeah. The other thing that popped out to me that John McNaughton directed and he directed it right after Henry was a movie called The Borrower. I don't know. I, don't know I feel like one. I feel like this is a movie you probably would have seen, but you would remember it. Uh, it's about an alien who comes to Earth and then has to rip off people's heads, and he keeps changing people's heads. This oh, was, I have seen this. Yes, I'm, I'm I'm now looking at screenshots from it. I didn't recognize yeah. the name, but I have seen this. Yeah, this is a movie I probably haven't seen since the '90s, but I was way too young when I did see it because the whole plot is ripping heads off and exchanging heads. And mm-hmm. I saw that way too it's young. Kind of and funny, I don't fucking know. Yeah, yeah, it's a comedy. I was going to say yeah. it's like, we're not, it's like a black comedy, I guess. But it's not right. funny. Ha ha. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably funny, some ha-ha. funny. Ha, but no, it is. It is. It's yeah. definitely funny, like sad. a tongue in tongue in cheek. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, again, this is back to like, you know, him being a Frank Henenlotter type. Cause I mean, that's, that's, it's a very, probably it's been forever since i've seen the movie but i bet it falls right in line with like frankenhooker and basket case of mm-hmm. just being you know fucking weird and gross and silly yeah. but yeah uh john mcnaughton is that to chicago and you can see that all through henry because you know this is this is probably the best thing that henry does as a film is that it uses just the existing world as much as possible to save mm-hmm. money yeah um but also like you get plenty of street shots on chicago you see a lot of like gas stations and just names of businesses things you probably wouldn't be able to get away with nowadays Mm -hmm. of just you know putting in you know little grocery shops and all that uh 
they're filming up and down the highways they're filming in small neighborhoods and it's just that's one of the most impressive things i think it's just like how many locations are in this film yeah you feel mm-hmm. like this is a not a road movie but like a movie that happens across a, a wide expanse but i think mm-hmm. they, they kind of i think that's like a good way to bring in because i think in in some of like the full story between odyssey and henry was like they did travel around like they were like going around. so i think they, that even feeds into that mm-hmm. yeah. yeah they were they were yeah, it's funny that you kind of alluded to the fact that this wasn't based on, but I know you're being tongue in cheek, but right. <laughs> um, obviously this is based on loosely based on, you know, the real life serial killers of Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole. And they were known for being like kind of highway killers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, especially uh, especially Henry, Henry Lee Lucas, he was much more of a drifter mm-hmm. uh, than Otis Toole was. But yeah, at some point. Uh, like as I already mentioned, this film occurs in Chicago, and the, this is kind of the differences. Uh, this film occurs in Chicago, and like it's basically occurring in the eighties, you know, mm-hmm. uh, eighty five, eighty six. But at that point, both Lucas and Tool had already been imprisoned, right? So like they they operated sixties uh, all the way to the eighties, and I think the Lucas hooked up with Tool in the 70s. Yeah. And they both operated much more in Florida. Like they're in the Jacksonville area for a long mm-hmm. time. Yeah, they are. They are. I, I always imagined, you know, because I actually probably didn't see this movie for the first time until probably the last five years, four mm-hmm. or five years, something like that. Um, and, and, you know, and I already had, you know, listened to or read, you know, true crime stuff about the real life killers that this is loosely based on. And I always imagine them as like some redneck ass, you know, Southern Georgia, Northern mm-hmm. Florida, straight up white trash, uh, dirt balls like i never thought you know i never thought of them as being in a city like chicago or being able to right. exist exist in this giant metro area they were just like kind of white trash drifters in the middle of nowhere yeah and like that, that's they get some elements of this right and some elements are twisted to fit the mm-hmm. film more and like you're saying you know that's one of them of them just kind of being more you know urban you know city sprawl kind of just hunting in the shadows yeah. You know, of the city of Chicago. Uh, that's something they do change. Like I said, they're more, much more like drifter and like just hanging around in Florida doing drifter shit in Florida. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, AK, just doing Florida shit. Yeah, just, yeah, existing in Florida. <laughs> yeah. All the stories of a man from Florida. Came yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the original Florida man was, may have been Otis Tool. Just might have mm-hmm. been him. Pretty, per, pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah. The it, they change his name to Otis, but uh, he's played by Tom Towles, and uh, people will recognize him more from uh, the probably the Rob Zombie films, House of a Thousand Corpses and mm-hmm. Devil's Rejects. He plays uh, Sheriff Whitell mm-hmm. in those films, so I think you know that's his more recent work. Um, but I would say I think his characterization in this film is something they get like way on point because like Otis tool was just like this low IQ, like male prostitute. And just Mm -hmm. like, he was a dumb animal that had basically no morals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's weird with this one because they try to 
at times in this movie paint him as slightly sympathetic um in certain ways whereas like he he has a job he's like he sells drugs and like works at a what he's like a i don't know he works at a garage or something like that yeah, he just works at a gas station like yeah. this is back when gas stations also had garages but yeah, yeah. but yeah. like in real life he 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 was way more not in society <laughs> like right, he was yeah. not in mainstream yeah. society like he was just uh, never really had a job from what I understand he was just a, a prostitute but um, I, the only, I think you but he did I, have poo brains in real life and he yeah, yeah. Poo I was gonna say because I feel like both of them were and I think the the only like Henry I think they painted a little bit differently um mm-hmm. but like because like they're both like in all like the historical records of them are like idiots they're fucking oh, illiterate yeah. like uneducated <laughs> yeah. um but I, I agree that they did a good job with, I think they played Otis to be more of this, like almost goofball sidekick than yeah. Henry. Yeah. So, and I think Henry was kind of just as much, you know? So, yeah. So the way they, they, they paint Otis in the film is like, he is like this kind of this trying to reform cause he's out of prison. And like, we learned that he met Henry in prison, which is not how the real story went, but, uh, Otis is like he seems like he's trying to reform by being somebody who's working at a gas station being part of society he's giving Henry a place to live so he seems like he's trying to be a good person and then it's like Henry turns him mm-hmm. you know he he, mm-hmm. un, he unlocks or unleashes some part of him like he well, teaches him how to kill kind of mm-hmm. yeah well, no, no, I would almost say it's like he uh like that part of Otis was like asleep and they made it come alive because he's cause of the, I feel like the way their dynamic works is like, um, like he, audit Henry was always telling Otis in the movie to like, you know, not fuck his sister or yeah. you right. know what I mean? Like, or not treat her poorly versus like, so that t- like either tells us that that's just like this instinctual thing because Otis's sister comes to visit and it's there or by being around Henry, it's somehow unlocked in that yeah. way. Yeah. Well, it's like it's it's Henry like refining him as well, trying to make him, you know, much more of an acceptable social person to like the way Henry believes, because Henry has his own damage of like from the incest and the beatings and everything that he suffered which mm-hmm. is another thing they get get correct between the the real henry Lee lucas and henry the uh character is that like his mother was a prostitute and like his father was infirmed and his you know mom was bringing money in by being a prostitute and then like was also making henry watch beating henry making henry wear you know women's clothes so mm-hmm. just like you know made that's why you get all these weird sympathetic things between him and becky mm-hmm. in the film because like that's the only time henry's vulnerable it seems yeah. at least but yeah like henry refines otis to not you know basically just not behave the way that you know their upbringing brought them to yeah rather than it feels like there's a conversation henry and otis have after uh, after Henry kills both of the prostitutes that's in the car with them. Yeah. And Henry's having this conversation with Otis and, you know, asking him is like, have you like, have you not ever killed before? And just like the way Otis is going about it, it sounds almost like Otis like was in the war 
it, or yeah. in a war at some point, like whether Vietnam or Korea, like, and he had to kill in that war. Yeah, he said something about, I don't know if he uses the phrase self-defense, but he like, I, I seem to remember him suggesting it was like, it was only if he was in danger kind of thing or mm -hmm. something. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah, Otis doesn't kill for fun the way Henry does. It's apparently. like an outlet. Yeah. And it's like the, like Henry is just like, he has to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and like it, you get the, you get that sense from the very beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Because you, you start with these like drama tableaus of just yeah. like people who are have been brutally murdered and you just get these slow pans across like these tableaus because like nobody's moving. Nothing's nothing else is really going on with the exception of the one where you follow, follow the milk jug down the creek. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like no life to the rest of the film or to mm -hmm. the rest of the uh, frame that you see. Yeah. And and I'm always curious if like the time and place of it, like, and I don't know if you're referring to even the imagery of like, um, all the people that he killed that we saw. Is that what you're mm -hmm. referring to? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like so, the openings. Yeah. yeah. And I was always, I was almost curious if that was like some sort of ploy for the time and place that like, that was the easiest and best way to get across the severity of how much Henry was killed or even to do it faster. Or if it was like, just again the budget thing i don't, I don't it's, know it's, like, it's, it's it's kind of both because so i mean budgetary wise just by filming you know that tableau like especially like the the prostitute that's in the like in the bathroom mm -hmm. like it, it, you can tell it's such a brutal scene of violence because like mm -hmm. her her clothes are all ripped she has a bottle shoved in her face you know her face is all cut up and everything so like you can infer all the brutality and then the soundtrack reinforces it with yeah. the mm -hmm. background uh, of just like you, you can hear like Henry screaming and her screaming. And so they don't have to film all of the steps it would take to, you know, like you rent out a hotel room for a couple days and stab, you know, somebody in the face with a bottle, get that effect going. You don't have to do all that. So, yeah, yeah. budgetary wise, it, it, it helps it. But then also thematically, you know, they have so many of these tableaus because you get probably four or five, mm -hmm. you know, a across, you know, various uh, destinations of like, you know, one in the creek, one in the grocery store of the old couple that's been shot. Uh, you have you know, the, the prostitute. So you get a sense of all the people that Henry's killed. And then it's further uh, like juxtaposed by the cuts between those tableaus. To just Henry's cruise around in his car, listening to some rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's just being just cool, cooling out, being cool. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what like my comment is like around is the way they decided to do that. Again, I always bring my time and place of it because I think at the time that could be really a really effective thing. If that's not what you're used to seeing and seeing those images, like mm -hmm. that could be really fucked up. However, I almost felt like this movie made Otis almost seem more like the person who needed like needed to constantly kill versus like Henry what we saw him kill, but we didn't see him as kill as like, I feel like what those scenes played it out to be. So I don't think there was always the exact connection 
mm-hmm. for me at least, like the way I saw yeah. this. And I'm hoping it comes across correctly the way I'm saying it. But no, I see. I, I feel like there's I, you a didn't little bit see of him in the act him. as much. Right. You know, it in, was like, always after the fact. Yeah. I think. I think the whole idea was they wanted to demonstrate that for Henry, it's just an everyday part of life or every sure. week part of life, and it's he was almost casual in the way he but did it. But if that's it. the case, though, too, I almost felt like those scenes almost felt ineffective because mm. I didn't have the connection between the two. Yeah, I, and I sometimes don't know how they it was. That, sometimes it wasn't for me, like. For example, so first of all, I think that the opening scenes, you know, and why they did them as these like almost still images, you know, in motion that that Steve was talking about is those several of those, if not all of them, were based on real life crime scene photos of Henry Mm -hmm. Lee Lucas victims or at least what he confessed to. What he confessed to, right? He which, confessed which, to a lot, which is also the weird thing. You know what I mean? He ended up saying at some point he killed like five hundred thousand people or something yeah. like that. Like yeah. he was, was a bullshit. He was full of shit. He so um, he shit. did get convicted of you know ten or twelve killings or something like that. But at some point, he said he killed like yeah. 800 people or something. So he's definitely full of shit, but those were based on, you know, crime scene or descriptions from him. So maybe that's where they wanted to like, you Mm -hmm. know, the, the torn from the headlines kind of angle they wanted to play a little bit. I thought at some points, which like later we'll talk about some of the scenes where you're seeing, you're kind of like, at least me, I was kind of more scared of Henry than I was of Otis because Mm -hmm. you saw Otis like kind of fumbling and being just like a fucking doofus about stuff. And Henry's, like he's almost like Henry's protege, whereas mm-hmm. Henry is like the the Darth Vader of killing, you know, killing people kind of <laughs> right. thing. Like he just yeah. does it completely, o- almost without effort or without like mm-hmm. emotion. And so, like, you never really see. I mean, you do, but you don't see him like snap on people and be emotional. It's just like they're dead. Right. You know yeah. I, mean? I think the um, scene where uh, they're in the house and they're killing the husband, wife, and then the kid mm-hmm. walks in. I think that's a good example of what you're saying right now, too, yeah. is because it's almost like he's teaching Otis how to do this thing. And then yeah. but it, when push comes to shove, Henry knows how to get this done quick. And if anything comes up, he fucking is able to do it without it, it was seamless. There's no hesitance. Yeah. There's no hesitancy yeah. at all. Um which, you know, later when you see the after after the fact shots, you know, one in particular near the end of the movie, it almost just like is like a punch in the chest, you know, because it because it doesn't see you don't see the escalation. You just see, oh, that person's dead now, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. Again, speak to more to the differences between their characters is like, you know, Henry does it just out of like partly out of necessity is it's just a thing he does. That's how mm-hmm. he comes, it seems. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's basically his equivalent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost it's like, like how he, requ- you know, it's like his equivalent of like sexual release is just killing mm-hmm. people. Because yeah. the majority of the time he's doing it, it is like prostitutes and women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, if it's also just him being denied something, you know, as mm-hmm. when he takes Otis to go get the TV, mm-hmm. you know, they, they're being denied the TV. And then just because that guy was rude to him, Henry said, well, you got to go. And, yeah, it's yeah. it's almost like a no country for old men type of thing a little bit. Mm-hmm. It has yeah. that similar feel where like you don't always see Anton Chaguerre or whatever his name is. You don't always see him kill people, but you see the after effects or you see a situation where you're like, 
it, it's it's maybe ambiguous, but it's definitely meant to imply that that person was dead for a fairly trivial reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and, and I mean, I like, I think you get that from like the opening when you see the, the, the couple that's been shot in the grocery store. Yeah. Like what could have, they have done? Yeah. You know? They might've yeah. been like accused him of stealing something or something. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he just yeah. killed them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and so I think that's also why later in the film, when he goes to get smokes, like you automatically assume the person behind that counter is going to be dead by the end right. of the scene. Mm-hmm. Right. But he's not. He, he yeah. lets him go. So which is they, the the film has this weird way of like first it kind of humanizes and pours sympathy towards Otis. Uh, but then as the film goes on, because Henry unlocks him and basically just unleashes a wild dog, mm-hmm. uh, Otis is, you know, he, he was always going to do fucked up things. It's just Henry gave him permission to kill. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then now that he's him killing how to do it a little more like cunningly. Right. Um, right. I will uh, comment kind of similar to the whole uh, store situation just there. The um, when he's getting smokes, when he saw the woman with the dog, you're definitely like, oh, he's going to follow. Oh, yeah. Killer. You think is that, though, the same that was not the same person as like the family that got killed because that was on my no, I no. just made the that connection I didn't think that, so no, yeah that was so much later no no well, no, no, yeah, no that I was meant, an older like, woman did he come back yeah and that's what I thought I was like oh that would have been worked better if that was the connection though I I think I would no, have that, that, no the point the point of that was to start to make you think Henry was turning over a new leaf like because he was he trying did, not to kill yeah he was trying to control he, himself yeah because he didn't hurt the guy at the stand he didn't hurt the woman he didn't hurt the dog and you he's i don't know if turning over a new leaf would be the right term but even just allowing that he had the control over who and what and why he was killing right and 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 that's how it's trying to make you sympathize with him because also he starts having feelings for becky and you you think it's that it's becky fucking hollywood yeah you Mm. think it's becky is turning him Mm. so you know yeah but yeah, you, that's that's the switch they pull on you is because Otis becomes this wild dog. And like you were saying before, like the majority of the brutality you see from Henry is also when Otis is around. You never you hardly see Henry commit acts of brutality. So it's like they stab, you know, they stab and kill the TV guy together. They, you know, uh, destroy. They annihilate the family together. And it's when uh uh, Henry gives Otis the gun, you know, but uh, Henry's just standing off to the side when Otis shoots that guy. Yeah. So like, you know, you, you hardly see the brutality from Henry until uh, it's Otis who, you know, attacks his sister, Becky. And then that's when, you know, Becky, you, you think Becky saves Henry, uh, but then, you know, Henry just stabs him, stabs Otis and kills you know kills him outright and then it's that switch again that just like it's a deliberate doesn't take much thought at all for henry and he immediately drags otis to the bathtub and starts dismembering him Mm -hmm. yeah yeah which again i i like i think i don't love knowing the story or like knowing enough of the story that like I hate bringing all the drama into it. Like, I think this is like, I think it's an interesting enough story on its own to not bring like the Hollywood bullshit of like, 
oh, we need to have a love interest. We need to have mm-hmm. the idea of someone wanting to change. We need to have like, oh, there's drama because like, oh no, instinct at the end of the day is always going to win. Like, I think that like for me personally, I think if I'm looking at this object, like just objectively as a movie, it's fine. But like knowing the story, I'm kind of mad that they like veered so far off because I think a story about Henry could have been played in so many different ways because he was a fucking character. Yeah. Okay, I, I think you're but, missing. I think you're missing the point of the ending though. The point of the ending is to be the anti Hollywood. Yeah. Like, well, no, no, no. Like, I'm talking specifically <laughs> just about the story that they tried to tell though. Like, yeah. They're trying oh. to trick you. They're trying to trick you, Meg. <laughs> they okay, want you well, to believe. Me tricked. <laughs> they want Wait, you to believe. Just talk through because I must yeah, have not. Okay. Well, give that. me a second Let's, to talk through. <laughs> Whoa. Let's not be defensive now. <laughs> So they're yeah they're trying to trick you they're trying to make you believe that Henry is falling in love with Becky, and they want you to believe that he's turning over a new leaf, but the ending of the film is that he coldly and callously kills Becky without a second thought and just goes on his way, like he st- he stuffs her in the same suitcase he stuffed Otis in. That tells oh. you exactly what level he believes they're both on, and just well, then we're, like we're, we're not on the same like play like level here of what i'm talking about versus what you're talking about like i get what you're saying with what like that i do get that but what i'm saying with like like just literally the film being in the movie of like just the way like i get like it just but it strays from the real story it just strays so far like that yeah. this is just a hollywood film at the end of the day telling a story and like using whatever they can to get whether we're talking at the end of the day with what you're saying being anti-Hollywood or whatever, or just at the end of the day that he's a killer. Yeah. Either way is what I'm saying is specifically is that I think the story alone of, uh, Henry Lee Lucas is interesting enough that like this movie just was, I don't know, so far away from that, you know, that the only problem with, for me with that is I, I can't imagine a scenario where they could have made an interesting, sensical, story out of Henry Lee Lucas's real life because one his life was anticlimactic mm-hmm. like ultimately he had all this crazy you know obviously he was this murderous psychopath piece of shit but then he just died of prison of like a heart attack or something yeah yeah you know what I mean so like that that like ultimately there was really it's not like you could have you know had closure and justice in that um he here's he, how this movie could have made sense let me just throw this out there. Um, we'll like fan film this one is this whole movie could have totally made sense is if they started and ended with the idea that he was in prison. And this is just one of the stories that he told because he was a compulsive liar. Mm. But then that it almost like brought it gr- all together. <laughs> See, I, I feel like that almost gives credence to his weird ego. You know what I mean? Cause like I, the other angle that you have to consider when we, are telling a story about a real life piece of shit killer who victimized, you know, potentially hundreds of people in his life is you have to kind of skirt that line between making them scary and making it effective movie and an effective character and not glorifying Mm -hmm. him or, or pushing that killer's agenda forward. And when this movie was made, Henry Lee Lucas was still alive and you can't, of course you can't profit off of your crimes 
or anything like that, but Mm -hmm. he was still alive. And to take one of his stories where he was, you know, this, this cold blooded, you know, stealthy conniving psychopath and put it into the mix makes it like, no, he was just a psycho that uh, lived at the right time in the right place where he could hide in plain sight. He wasn't special. He wasn't smart. He wasn't cunning. He was just a stupid animal that acted with just enough randomness in just, you know, under the guise of just enough anim- animinity in the right place, at the right time. So like, yeah, also I'm uh, undoubtedly, I think you alluded to it. There was a lot that went into it that was uh, budgetary restrictions you know what i mean like they're obviously going to shoot it in chicago because that's where they're that's where they're at you know what i mean they're not going to mm-hmm. shoot on location and you know it's 80 miles outside tallahassee or some shit you know what i mean yeah. so i think well, what i guess i find myself just curious about even with everything you just said though because all like obviously all makes sense is just like what was the goal and the point of doing a film like this when like they're not trying to um, talk, even if they're trying to point out how ridiculous and like that he was at, like in after even after he got caught, like he literally was just lying over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So like when I hear th- when I see this, man, I'm just like, was this just an exaggeration of a story that he told that then they were playing off of or like what I just I guess what was the goal of doing a film that was so far away from the truth no I I think it was a ripped from the headline thing it was yeah exploitation filmmaking it was ripped from the headline this guy you know when they made this they probably filmed it in 84 85 Mm -hmm. he was just been arrested a couple years before that Mm -hmm. and it was all over the headlines it was it was a big national story so i think uh he said uh hey if i'm gonna make a movie about a serial killer we should strike while the iron's hot here and do it about this guy and we'll get some people you know we'll, we'll get some butts in the seats but ultimately you know there was a lot it got really hammered by the mpaa and it ended up getting slapped with an this was before NC-17, so did it get an it got X hit rating? with an X. Yeah, it got hit yeah. with an X. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, like, generally the point of the film is, like, just to make a scary film out of, like, the the banality of it. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't, this isn't a supernatural killer. This is mm-hmm. somebody who is, like, he, he could come to your door at any moment. Yeah, poo mm-hmm. brain yeah. moron sure. can show up at your door and kill you at any point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two dummies can show up and yeah. just end your life. And like yeah. they, that's that's something I believe like last podcast on the left makes fun of all the time. Yeah. But just like, you know, your life could be ended by some idiot that who just, yeah. you know, decides, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like that's that's more of the point of the film. And then the reason why they changed so much is, again, because they're not trying to glorify Henry. And, you know, the, even though they still use the names Henry, Otis and Becky, they're trying to divorce a lot of it from the actual story. They're trying to tell their own story of the way mm-hmm. things, you know, went. Okay. So it's not, you know, I think holding on to the official Henry Lee Lucas story is not worth it. It's uh, you, it's just kind of a, a loose framework. Sure. Uh, you know, yeah, and, and that's this why- is. That's why this goes back to that point about it being just like Hollywood for to selling a story for selling a story. But yeah, it's like the Texarkana murders being the quote mm-hmm. unquote inspiration behind 
every slasher, including mm-hmm. Steve's movie that were including your movie we're going to talk about sure. where it really leather face. There was no leather face involved in the Texarkana murders. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but it's quote unquote loosely based on it. And one of the first things they say is like they, they marketed Texas Chainsaw as a movie that was based on true events. Because mm-hmm. it was also based on Ed Gein. Yeah. Ed, yeah, it was an amalgamation of, yeah, Texarkana Multiple murders, Ed murders, Gein, yeah. a bunch of different stuff. But yeah. they wanted to be able to say this is based on real things, you know? We'll get so it's to just, it, guys. Don't go at too far. My <laughs> point like, is glass relevant. houses. No, 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 glass no. houses. Mm, I will not Very say much that. glass houses. <laughs> I don't think so. And then you're you're Back you're being different. you're being critical of this being like a Hollywood film, and it wasn't. It was you know a very much independent film, and this isn't like the first time that this has been done either, because the like you have a history of these kind of films uh, with In Cold Blood and Helter Skelter, mm-hmm. like that both of them were made you know. I'm using uh, probably adaptations. the pr- improper terms and I'm using specifically like this Hollywood term of like, what will something, how will this sell? Um, whether we're talking independent or something that is a big budget, mm. i.e. kind of like whatever beer uh, Brian's drinking over there. Mm-hmm. Good example of that same idea. This is a beard. You're talking about movies. <laughs> talking about movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being an asshole. <laughs> I but thought you, we were talking about movies. This is yeah. a beer. <laughs> yeah. You guys I, make I, a lot of movies though over at Slack <laughs> We do sometimes. I, I just think you're I just think you're getting hung up on like the way they change the stories. Because like so the real life Becky was a twelve year old girl in Florida mm-hmm. who who absolutely was like sexually assaulted by Henry Lee Lucas. Yeah, Whereas didn't they you like see run in, away together and stuff too? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Yeah. So whereas what you see in the film is like his one vulnerable spot is is a woman who willingly and voluntarily uh, you kind of gives herself to Henry and like shows interest in Henry. And like they have a scene where she is kind of relating a similar story to his upbringing where her father was abusive to her the same way that Henry's mother was abusive to him. And like you see they're trying to you know, trick you with a connection that actually isn't there. So I I think you're, you know, it's just a storytelling element to make the film interesting Mm -hmm. because it's not as interesting in real life. Like Brian said, like the real life story is both too muddy because Lucas was a, you know, habitual liar which they actually I just don't do. Want to they actually do the things I already said, though, and I don't want to keep. Or I don't want to repeat myself of like how this could be just as low budget and an interesting film in essence. Versus, I don't think. Like, I don't think it is though. I don't. I don't think it no, would no, be. No, no, I think it, it would be too procedural, much like the Helter Skelter movie, which is three hours and too long. <laughs> if they had cut out, or they put like five minutes on either side of like this weird interview with someone quote unquote in a prison whatever kind of scene they want to set up is the only thing i think that could have been made this movie a little bit more effective for me personally and i get what you're saying like if i look at this just as a dramatic just film and don't have any understanding or knowledge or background of who henry lee lucas and Otis tool are like it is an interesting film um i can relate and understand the idea of like time and place where in the 80s that 
like these image, all the imagery would be insanely shocking. It, that would have been really, really effective. And I can look at it like that. And I can, um, if we're, if I'm watching it now as like movies that we see now and how, like, I think horror has to kind of go around with like how we're doing, we see slasher films or serial killer films, like it may not be the same. Like you'd probably do it a little differently, but so that's why I'm like trying not to like be misunderstood here that like, I, I understand all the intricacies as a film. It's fine. I think when we're talking about real people and like real stories that have existed, that there's like ways that it could be done where it would be like, I would be so invested in this film. And like, literally if, because knowing even for, I mean, I don't know if when this movie came out, if they understood how big of a liar Henry Lee Lucas was. They, they, I, it's in, it's in the, it's in the film. Uh, they, right. He, Cause yeah, they lose he it. Tell, he's he, like, he's swapping stories. Yes, yes, yes. I hear that. Yeah. yeah he swaps so, his stories about how he yeah. killed his mother three times within the film. Sure. So, so then they knew. So, which even adds more to my point of like, this would be an amazing film if they just were kind of playing off that and it was very clear and evident by like making it a dramatization of one of the stories that he told. That's yeah, all I'm I saying. That I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mm. like, like overlooking or like trying to overplay this. Like, I'm just saying like, I, I feel like I'd be repeating myself. I, th- I think, I, think I, I just think you're marrying this to the actual real life incident too much just because they do sure. use similar names but it is a real I think life just, story that's what i'm saying yeah it's Versus, a real life story like, we i think you're just my like like texas chainsaw where when they were selling the film they were trying to make it like it was a real thing because they it's kind of like blair witch like you know that got people like oh my god this is a real story what the fuck that like versus where those ended up, they're not a real thing. Where this was like a real story that actually existed. These people existed in real life. That's where I think like the difference is and why I have this perspective on it. That's all. Like, and I'm not. So I think just what I think if you put it, if you did the story that you were saying, it's like, I'm not saying that that wouldn't be good. It's just, it's a totally different type of movie too. Right. You know what I mean? Like th- this, it's just not. I mean, you're asking that you're basically saying that you would prefer the movie to be an entirely fundamentally different movie. Mm -hmm. I think like like adding a scene of it being like this is a story that's being told to people like like I said, a scene where they're starting to interview would have changed this whole movie. That essentially puts it in the realm of those films that end with it was all a dream or he was in a he, he was a ghost the well, whole time because it, it invalidates it invalidates well, you what know, you're just you already know the story existed. I mean, it still would be backed up by things that actually happened. And that's the other part of it is that there are actually murders that happened that will. And this is why, like, his story was so interesting was like there was some truth to some of it versus like it being an exaggeration on other things so that he could like get more attention or like extend his like sentence you know or like keep things going like that that's all i'm saying like i'm if not it it's not a dream within a dream because this was actually a real situation no but i i i think what he's saying is if it's a story if it was bookended by henry telling a story and it was all told from his perspective it would be kind of like retconning history a little bit or 
it, I mean, it, it already inv- it is. invalidates what the audience is seeing as well, because yeah. then it becomes, oh, well, then what I just saw was more than likely a lie. Yeah. And but I they can't don't have to leave it that way. They, they like it, it, no, it does. Saying- it does, though, because then you have to like watching this film on its own. You can just take things at face value and knowing that it's not a direct one to one translation of what actually happened in history. You can just take the story. You can just take the film at face value. No, and no, know exactly. That they borrowed I understand names. that. That's the part that I get. But when you bookend it with it being told from Lucas's perspective, it then becomes it was all a dream or is this a lie? What it you know, it, it which is an interesting same, film to me. Like, is this such an interesting film for me? I mean, honestly, it just doesn't have the same impact. Well, you're also here's the other thing. I think you're. I think here's the other thing. You're you're thinking of it just from your perspective as someone who knows the story really well, mm. and you have to understand that I. I this is a quite an assumption on my part, but I got to assume that less than half of the people who came to watch this movie actually knew the ins and outs of the story of Henry Lee Lucas. But the interesting part is they probably would have either known who he is, and if they saw his name in the headlines, they might have tried to associate that that might have actually happened. Like that, that, that's where I'm, that's what I'm saying here is that you're taking exception with the fact that they took liberties with a true story. The only thing I'm saying is with maybe maybe that's part of it is that I just like I think this could have been a more interesting and I don't want to like my perception of being like this is not my favorite movie because this was a real situation that happened versus like if I look at it as an like objectively just as a film it's it's fine it it does it does a purpose but anyone who like is into horror especially so if we're talking about now or even then they're going to find out who that person is and either they're going to believe what they saw in the film or they're going to know that it just was not actually true and they're not even going to know what was true or what wasn't true and then they find out that he was a liar and then he lied about a lot of the the people that he killed and that's what i'm saying is they could have even gotten ahead of that and like had a more interesting story by saying that like oh, we can't really believe anything he says. It still would have hit the point that like anyone with a low IQ could have killed anyone because the murders in there, a lot of them could have been very well true. Like I I think you're giving too deep deep in like how I'm saying and like whether or not you guys understand my perspective on it is different. I think you're giving both the audience and the director too much credit because I don't necessarily know that. uh, I think I'm just being like, um, like very subjective on like what I would have preferred and I thought would have been more interesting for the film. No, I'm That's just saying all. if the audience wouldn't, if the audience would have like, are, is going to go out one, know who he is two, care what happened to him three, look up anything about him and, and formulate any type of, um, you know, opinions or conclusions based on the information that they had, especially with before the internet, like seems highly unlikely. I think if you would have bookended it in a way where you knew it was a story coming out of the mouth of Henry Lee Lucas from the beginning, then it, it cuts the, the stakes way down for me because you kind of already know he's going to survive so it's kind of like a a prequel type of problem you know what i mean Mm -hmm. where the main if you know the story is coming from the future from a main character then you know that person survived you know what i mean and like if these characters can just exist in relative but imagine what you just said though and like what we learned about his character 
of like he is a survivalist he will do anything and it was almost very primitive and you know what i mean or very primal in how he acts sure. like it would sure, have totally but I mean, made sense still, so like there still could have been there still could have been a scene where becky killed him in the end yeah becky could have shot him in the head otis could have killed him but like the, if you if Henry was telling the story, that scene, which was kind of the climactic scene of the movie or one of the two climactic scenes of the movie, if we knew that this whole story was being told by the from the perspective of of Henry, then it takes a lot of the sting out of that scene, mm-hmm. especially the end. Like, but it also that would very account end. for the changes that they made to the story of like how he saw the situation and how he was getting, always ahead of it. But, he, you know? but he's Again, not going like to. He's not fan filming this. I feel like. Well, you're <laughs> fan filming it because you're getting you're getting hung up. The aud- audience is going to get very frustrated that we are like beating a dead horse right now. And all I'm saying is that this movie could have been interesting in a different way. And that's why I don't saw my favorite film of how they could have done it. That's yeah. it, guys. But you that, guys can but have a different all opinion all you all want. All we're saying is the, the your opinion of how you said to bring it to life doesn't make any sense. It's bad. It's, not, it's a bad it, idea. It it's bad sense. We can take you Someone can message me or tell me that I like, do make sense or I don't. Oh, here goes I Meg think... to her following again. Tell me I'm right and tell me I'm, I'm good. I'm not saying you don't yeah, make absolutely. sense. I'm saying your idea would have not, like what you're suggesting would have made it better would have made it way worse. Mm-hmm. That's what I I'd think. Be curious. Yeah. That's I my opinion. I feel like opinion. you guys haven't sold me on how it would actually be worse because I still think it well, would be an interesting We haven't sold you because film. it's your belief, Meg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're, you're talking you're, to me like I can't change my mind on things. No, no, listen. <laughs> Isn't this whole if, podcast about we're trying to convince the other person that another yeah, film yeah. is better okay. than the other uh, film? Uh, hey, right, guys. How many times if, have we changed our minds on films? You guys just haven't sold it to me yet. Okay? okay. So if, let's say this one's on you. None right? of the story none of the story would have been it, it, it wouldn't have been exciting if you knew he survived yeah it wouldn't be exciting if you knew he survived and then it would lessen the and impact and that he was in jail but he yeah. is a real character then, depending on whether or it doesn't not, matter whether no, or thing. not you knew Meg, him then the or now problem. you Meg, know he your survived for a time Meg, Meg your biggest problem is you won't divorce this from the real life yeah, like this is you're, just you're based somehow, on, yeah, yeah. You're but somehow I, but that willing me, to divorce as a Texas, watcher, and I know this is a story. Why okay, do I have to tell- divorce the two? Because how many, one how is many one's serial real and one's not. One's how many serial killer films do we see now that are much closer to the actual situation of like whether we're they're but I still don't believe those. Fine. I still don't believe those. Fine. If I, yeah. Fine, but I'm saying they've there 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 has been many better examples of something like this, and with this being so far removed from but anything point, close to what's actually happened, was, it wasn't meant to be a one to one. It wasn't that's meant fine. to. That's it was fine. meant that's to what divorce. I'm, it's I much more in the line of Texas Chainsaw. I don't like that they decided to do that. Well, then be mad about that, but that's the thing that's that fine. we can't change you on because that's you won't let fine. go of And that's you what I'm saying. Like, how you guys that. are like, he's a real character. Like, that's the only thing is like, whether if these were like derived from real characters in a completely different story and not using the same names and not using similar situations that happen, I might be able to divorce it but se- I'm saying separately. You know what Leather I mean? Leatherface. Leatherface is a very close to what, like, he is heavily influenced by. Yeah, we Ed, know Ed that. Gein. Yeah, Ed Gein. These are things we understand and know. But Ed Gein lived in Wisconsin, killers. and I think it's bullshit that they moved it to Texas. Yeah, and I think if it's they crazy done in Wisconsin. That they, like Ed Gein didn't even get to wear his cool hat he has on in all those pictures. Right now, and I know everyone listening is gonna 
fucking understand what you're doing it's right so, now. It's so, so stupid that both. Texas Chainsaw doesn't start with Ed, uh, with Leatherface in jail telling his story. <laughs> I love how right I am right now. You really are, though. You guys, the thing. You guys just sound just so ridiculous super with like, trying about to this bring character. In. That's fine, because it's my opinion on what I think about the movie. It's That's what opinions are. such a bad opinion, though. That's great. I'm glad you think so. Thank you, Brian, for telling me a bad opinion such about something. Such a bad opinion. Let's, let's move on. I just have a couple few thoughts, and I'll wrap oh, up this, this. And, then we'll, and then we'll move on to the next I'm film. Out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just want to point out one: Michael Rooker is amazing in this film. Uh, even though, like uh, Tom, he is. Uh, Tom hey, Tomlin say that did... he is. He is amazing in this film. Great, it's just you. you okay now with that I, opinion? Yeah, yeah, is you. that opinion now invalidated, guys? No, I wish they would have came up at the beginning of the movie and they did a quick little cut scene that said Michael Rooker going, "I'm not the real Henry Lee Lucas." <laughs> like that would have made me feel better personally. <laughs> Uh, so Megan's giving me just a death <laughs> stare right now. Yeah. So, so Michael Rooker is amazing, and then the soundtrack's amazing. Like it's uh, it's pretty tight. It's hey uh, guys, I, I have an opinion on that. It is pretty solid. Yeah, great. <laughs> so far, two for two for you're now two you're for gonna two. get a streak going. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm out the park. Hey, everyone listening to this, the guys only like my opinions when I agree with them. <laughs> no, not at all. Let's uh, sometimes be real. I agree. Sometimes I agree with your opinion. This instance, I do not. That's fine. Not. Cool. We're different people. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I, I, be- I believe this is like kind of different a different interest in serial killers. <laughs> I believe I believe the situation is kind of a Charles Band situation yeah. because John McNaughton is the director and I believe the composer is Richard McNaughton. So uh, I, was, I believe it's you know brothers tag teaming, but the it's soundtrack Ch- Chuck Chuck and it, what's Chuck's brother's name? Chuck Norris's brother's name? Oh Chuck! Oh I can't. <laughs> I'm not remembering that. Movie. Yeah, I'm not remembering that. <laughs> Patty Norris. I don't know. Patty remember. Norris. Jake Norris. <laughs> um, but uh. A film that like people should check out that I think borrows now that now that I'm that I think (laughs) that uh, damn it, Meg, you just threw me off my train of thought. Uh, I think borrows a lot now that I've like seen the two relatively together. um, Check out the film in uh, in the company of men. It's a film from 97 with Aaron Eckhart, and it is very similar to this film. Uh, especially in soundtrack and ending, mm. uh, just just the way things play out. But in the company of men is not about serial killers, but just again in soundtrack and ending, just the way like things are incorporated, like animal noises are incorporated to like people mm-hmm. just uh, when Henry's just walking around, you just hear like that cacophony of a zoo fire in yeah. his head, yeah. like as he's getting ready to fucking kill somebody and you know mm. exterminate people. You got you get a lot of the same things in this film in the company of men, so mm. check that out as well. But yeah, my my whole take on this movie is um, it's 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 a it's a pretty effective movie in my opinion for especially for a movie that doesn't show a lot. I mean, there's one scene which we didn't really get too deep into, which is the 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 scene where you know uh, Henry and Otis go into the house and and murder this family it's like fucking brutal mm-hmm. to watch because it's always it's also in like a found shot like that specific scene is shot you're not shot you're seeing it through like a found footage kind of lens mm-hmm. um which is really fucking creepy um but i think the other thing can i add to that though is like yeah, what yeah, i yeah. loved even 
was like after the fact that I thought it aided in like how fucked up they were. Mm-hmm. Was that they would watch it afterwards? I thought well, they're that sitting was a there good, on the couch. Yeah. yeah, there was a good like one after the other, and then even just playing into Otis's character of like him wanting to be like, I want to watch it again. It's you know something. Well, it's really also just, like, like this juvenile. There. There's something about sure. this like juvenile, like toxic masculinity slash like almost like bro-y um, peer pressure type of culture between the two of them mm-hmm. where like they, they, you can tell that they're like, I, and I, not that you can tell that they're affected, but it's just kind of like, I don't know that if before they watched it, um, Otis would have been like, yeah, I can't wait to watch that. But like, he feels like he has to keep up with Henry, you know what I mean? To mm-hmm. like, and like watch like, this and do fucked up stuff. Think about yeah. the scene where they, um, where Otis is like, I just, I, I just need to fucking like kill someone. I just need to like do something. And then yeah. he takes them out and they pretend like they're broken down. It was, yeah. <laughs> this might be sound super silly. It almost, it almost reminds me of like a weird PSA where you see like the one older kid who's just like, here, have a joint. And then like, they just do it and they smoke it. <laughs> And they're like now their life's like changed. That's kind of remind me of a little bit. Yeah, like, or it reminds me of like that idea. kid in freshman year of college who's just like really into the idea of drinking in college, and mm-hmm. he's just like, yeah. dude, I want to get fucked up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're yeah. like, yeah, cool, man. You know, he's just like that. I don't know. That's just like. Well, I mean, you even see that parallel in the film because, like, uh, before, like, it's before they kill the. Uh, before Henry kills the prostitutes in the car, he said he, you know, he tells Otis, he's like, hey, let's go get a beer. Mm-hmm. And then let's go get a beer turns into let's go kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's the same. It's the same kind of mechanism of like, yeah. hey, let's go out and have a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. It's going to devolve into something out of control. It makes you think that anytime he says something, because I oh, this is why that scene where we talk about like when he goes to get the cigarettes and he's in that shop is like a really effective for making you be like, oh, he's going to kill because we see we see that scene. And I'm, I think the prostitute scene happens before this, where he then wants to go out and grab cigarettes. You're like, oh, this cue of like, I need to go out is the same meaning of I need to go kill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's anytime they feel some sort of distress, like from another force. So like they go out and kill because uh, Otis is distressed by the high school kid that he tried to molest Mm -hmm. for drugs. So he's distressed by that. So they go out and kill. Henry is distressed by Becky, like coming on to him and like the like the sex that they almost had like you know how close he almost got to mm-hmm. you know, forming a connection with somebody so he's distressed by that he doesn't know how to handle himself so like yeah he goes out to get cigarettes you know we think quote cigarettes and he yeah. thinks he's out to kill right. to but just release that energy that, yeah the moment you hear that though you're like you're cued as the watcher that he's right. gonna go kill someone exactly yeah. yeah, I think the the most effective part, uh, and the more I think about it, God, this movie reminds me so much of No Country for Old Men. Actually, the more mm-hmm. I think about it, um, the the uh, the scene at the end, which you already mentioned about how you know it looks like her, him, and Becky are going to run away together, and he just kind of gets quiet, and you're like, God damn, he's planning something. And Becky's kind of like, even when they're in the hotel room together, there's like there's a hesitancy where Becky's like kind of starting to trust him, but she's still, 
she's nervous about the way he's acting because he's acting kind of cold. Not that he doesn't normally act cold, but you can tell she's starting to worry that maybe her life's in danger or maybe. And anyway, so then whenever he pulls over, he it's just, you know, it's that night in the hotel and then it's morning and you see Henry come out and he's by himself and he's got the suitcase well, he doesn't and, have the suitcase. No, he doesn't have suitcase. Suitcase is in the trunk, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. the, the, it's it's kind of a double twist. It makes you think, one, Henry just leaves her. Yeah. But then he dumps the suitcase, and you go, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, because then you're like, but it's one of those scenes, right? Yes, he. Did, you don't see the suitcase. You just see Henry come up by himself, and you're like, did he kill her? Did he leave without her? But he, the, the reason, I guess I remember just thinking he killed her because he doesn't sneak out of the room. Mm-mm. He's like, be bop, boop, you know, yeah. popping out of go. the room. <laughs> yeah, he's just like casually leaving the place and she's not there. And you're like, fuck. And but then you're like, well, are they meaning like you kind of are trying to decipher. It's like when you see something that's really like distressing on screen, like imagery and your brain is trying to make it seem not as bad as it is for a quick second. Right. And then you're like, oh, fuck that. And it makes it like 10 times worse. It's like that, but more of a storytelling device where you're like, oh, she's not dead. Is she? She's not there. But then, oh, and then you see the suitcase and you're like, oh, fuck. That is exactly what happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was it was really uh, effective in that way. But I if I never saw this movie again, I wouldn't mind. Like <laughs> it's not a fun movie. It's not, not a pleasant all, no. movie. No. It is a distressing, depressing, brutal movie. Yeah. Um, did you guys ever catch the second one? Oh, that's trash. Don't watch it. <laughs> I, I did. Is it trash? I, did, I just saw that I there was a second one. Yeah. I it's trash. I feel like it's like very loosely. Di- and I don't think it has any of the, people involved in it like it does not or anything is in on there yeah. no, but it's uh, not the but same it's like director. he never got caught almost look like almost seems like i i put this mo- movie in the same like and i don't feel the same way about maniac but like the original joe spinell maniac mm-hmm. uh i actually do like that movie and, and can watch it multiple times um but what's another movie that's in that category even like uh, no, that's not a good example either. I'm trying to think. There's like certain movies where like they're really effective, but like, God, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to Martyrs. watch. Martyrs is a good example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Martyrs yeah. is a good one where it's just like, holy shit, that was like an emotional. It was an experience and you're glad you had it, but you're yeah. not going to I'm not going to pop it on <laughs> on a Thursday night, and, you know. And again, the the film I mentioned earlier in the company of the men, in the company of men is along the same line. Nobody dies mm-hmm. in it. But it's just yeah. emotionally hard to watch. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, Maybe. yeah. It's it's effective. It's a good film, but you don't want to come back to it. You watch it and you go, "Great, ow." <laughs> yeah. People are terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. All right. Any final thoughts on that movie? No, I just again just think they did all of this for you know a hundred and ten thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's pretty good. Yeah, I yeah. wonder where the most because it's like, I don't. Mike, they were all Michael Rooker was unknown at this time, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he still probably commanded the most amount of pay mm-hmm. of everybody, but yeah, everybody is more or less unknown. You see, there's a there's a woman credited three times in the film, uh, Mary Demas. 
Mm. She's credited oh. three times because she plays like two. She plays two different prostitutes and one of the bodies in in yeah. the mm. early tableaus, mm-hmm. and like the car apparently belonged to you know somebody on the crew and so they just like when they're filming the bum fights yeah apparently that's also members of the crew doing bum fights so like it's, bum yeah fights. yeah so it, yeah. they saved money all over the place yeah all right let's get into meg you're going next right all right guys it's time to talk about the best of the three movies mm, okay 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 <laughs> no we just want to shut up um do you want to dive back into that? Anywho, we might touch on that a little bit because unlike your film that was based on very specific characters named the same thing, mm-hmm, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, while also based on real people, you know, or derived, we should say, story influenced, mm. but not directly related to certain serial killers. We're talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, a classic story of a bunch of teens trying to go on a really fun road trip mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in their van. Who just happened to meet a deranged family? Yeah. Get fucking killed. That's the end of it. That's actually the end of my story. That's kind of the whole uh, story. That is no, pretty much the whole story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, produced and directed by, uh, do you say his name, Toby? I'm going to think that's like, not Toby Tobe. Hooper. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say. Toby Hooper, who, which I actually. Life Force, guys. You remember that? That fun, Diddy? Yeah, Life Force is great. Yeah, it was so awesome. Meg, can you give us can you give us the alternate pronunciation you were gonna go with though? I would say Tobe. Okay. Like 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 Straight if I'm going very tobe. literal, Tobe. It's like Job from uh Arrested Development. The book of Tobe from the Bible. Uh, well, my sister's name is Tobin, so I was like Tobe. I call her Tobe from time to time. Probably his close friends may have um, called him Tobe. Anywho, R.I.P. Any Hoopers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so where to start, guys? Okay, um, this is such a classic film. I think so many people know the, the plot synopsis, and you know it's I think been really influential in a lot of other films that like um, to go into all the details would be silly. However, um, I do like Toby Hooper. Like a little bit of background, if anyone isn't familiar, um, and it, I I was really excited to read even more that like he did work with a lot of the um, Stephen King film or like adaptations and stuff like Salem's Lot and there was another one that I'm forgetting off the top of my head but uh, The Mangler which was yeah, he, pretty fucking sick yeah he was uh, well he technically directed uh, Poltergeist but then the yep. the, the, mm-hmm. the the story is that you know it was almost a co-directing type situation mm-hmm. with uh, one Mr. Steven Spielberg but yeah, a genre, a yeah. genre, and, and and under I want to say underappreciated because he does get a lot of love. Um, but I don't know for whatever reason, I always feel like Toby Hooper gets shortchanged a little bit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Texas Chainsaw, everyone's like, "Oh, Texas Chainsaw, yeah, it's a masterpiece of the genre, all that stuff." But then anytime you talk about another movie that's a Toby Hooper flick, they're like, "Oh, yeah, that's a great, but it could have been this." Or, "Oh, but you heard Steven Spielberg actually direct, you know." Right. They, I feel like he just gets a lot of shade for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, he gets all yeah, he gets undercut a lot. And I think it's also just because like after the 90s that he didn't uh I don't know, he didn't have much that like really grabbed anybody. He never got yeah. I think it's the toolbox murder. Yeah. 
the toolbox murders is what I'm what put him back into kind of the 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 zeitgeist of mm-hmm. you know but other than that he he just never had that real big resurgence the same way like George Romero struggled to get his big resurgence mm-hmm. like he got land of the dead and then he made those other you know of the dead films afterwards mm-hmm. but it was never like he was never given the big projects it wasn't the same trajectory that like a sam raimi took right where he did a bunch of the low budget stuff or peter jackson where they mm-hmm. do a bunch of the low budget stuff and then they get to graduate to the big ips yeah so yeah, yeah you always got the idea that he he was given a couple of chances like with poltergeist and stuff and mm-hmm. then he needed he needed bailed out or something you know mm-hmm yeah, and or Life Force, which you know probably bankrupted, you know, canon films or whatever. God damn it! I love that movie so much. Oh, it's awesome! And all it's, they it's had worth- to do was call it Big Titty Space Vampires. That's all they had to do. Getting Life Force might be worth sacrificing. Toby Hooper directing a Spider-Man film, you know? Yeah. So Life yeah. Force is one of the fucking all-time most underrated. Just films. What was? Did we just cover that one, or was that on? Uh, remind me. Like, did we have that in a showdown? No, we covered it. Okay, we just covered it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think we did it. We, we, did, we did it as a punishment film. Oh, okay. Mm. Which was a not so Quote. punishment punishment mm-hmm. film. Um, no, I think was, I picked it as a punishment film. I think yeah. I think that was Either that, you yeah. picked it, or I I picked it as just like, hey, let's just do Life Force. Mm-hmm. As, yeah. You know. For sure, because it's fun. Um. So uh, just reading a little of the background of this, uh, Toby, like when he was in writing it, combined elements like this is just a direct quote from like what was described about the film was like he combined elements from the story about he wrote about like being in isolation and darkness, but also with like inspiration from like the graphic news that was being covered. And we see that a lot, too, like in the in, like the beginning when the everyone's when they're in the van and they're driving and you hear in the background which i thought like it stuck out to a lot to me so uh, what i liked about this film too that i think they did without being so in your face about it was like a lot of the graphic images just struck you in a way that was just like you didn't really need to know that all this stuff was going on or even when they're talking about like butchering animals and stuff like that they didn't they were never like in your face about it or so direct but it was just it was felt that you felt like there was just so much tension and a lot of like drama going on around what was at what like this just this story and that everyone kind of felt oblivious or they didn't really necessarily they almost felt like it was like real life and i i mean we can we see it even now today and i think like this going on you know what we're just past vietnam or like and so on and so forth like there's a lot of things um happening in real life that like you're becoming so numb to almost Mm -hmm. so what i think was almost kind of translated into this film a little bit yeah this movie like just has this very grimy feel to it Mm mm-hmm um, and I feel like it's part of it is the, you know, shot on location in the middle of goddamn nowhere, Texas in the summertime. It was like you brutally hot out. You yeah, felt everyone's the heat. sweaty. Everyone, like, everyone looks like they stink. You know yeah. what I mean? And <laughs> it's just grimy and dirty and sweaty. And like, you know, uh, uh, this is, you know, one of the most famous horror movies of all time. So people probably heard a lot of this, but. Like the shooting was apparently brutal. 
Mm-hmm. Um, just cause it was so hot and mm-hmm. they were operating, you know, on this shoestring budget. So everyone had to like, there wasn't a ton of kick of crew. It just was like all hands on deck, dirty, grimy, sweaty, fucking almost guerrilla filmmaking in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, especially like filming in the van, mm-hmm. like, you mm-hmm. know, the, I think like the van didn't have AC or whatever. And so yeah. it was just, and it's not like you can shoot with the windows down. Like it's just, I mean, it's a cool element though, that I'm sure they either recognize or did because they're like, I mean, they probably did very purposefully that like, it's like almost being submerged into the environment. You're going to get a little bit more of a natural reaction because they probably were just insanely tired and hot and just even annoyed or then having with, um, I'm forgetting the character's name right off the top of my head. Um, the brother, yeah. So Nubbins. So when mm-hmm. he gets picked up and just like being so kind of like scared and annoyed at like with his presence from the get-go. It's like mm-hmm. those type of things can just be dialed up when the environment you're like existing in is just, you know, a little it's bit. It's already longer. a high stress yeah. environment. Exactly. And then you add this fucking weirdo, which and also it's like it's all like the it's all fun and games. Until Nubbins gets in the in the van, <laughs> and then of, he just you know, like, like he of, really I mean, fucks up the vibe. Like, yeah. So <laughs> and, and like one of the main things they talk about, like right in the beginning, that seems to be one of the high profile stories going on is that there's like these grave robbings that's happening, and um, it's Sally and Franklin's grandfather was buried in one of these these graveyards and they wanted to go see him and that's when they start meeting and this is where you start getting the feel for the environment that it doesn't really feel super safe um you know you have this guy that's like super drunk and he's saying really crazy things and you're just like i like i don't know if i trust what's going on around me so you stop like trusting the environment that you're in though they're still like really young and naive and they're just like going along with it even though they're like this is weird let's keep going though and uh, are you like, talking I, about jim Leahy in the tire yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. like I, it was a very effective scene in my, in my mind i'm just like yeah i would be like let's get the fuck out of here like what the fuck is happening um so we get to our first scene where they basically they were going to it was their grandmother's house that was basically abandoned at this point. But um, they're like, we can we can go stay here. And everyone just starts exploring. You know, everyone's a horny teenager and they're just like, let's fucking let's venture off. And what I like is that it almost felt like, I mean, we're 25, 30 minutes in before we meet Leatherface for the first time. But um I think it it didn't necessarily feel that way because of like you kind of got these like tense moments along the way that like it allowed a slow build up to the point well, where we first meet Leatherface. Yeah, and, and I mean, and that's just Toby like doing a good cold open without doing a cold open. He does a cold mm-hmm. open without including the family in that he shows you all the dug up bodies. Yeah. And just like you, you get the news story about the bodies dug up and then just like that iconic shot of like the one sitting on the headstone that's like mm-hmm. dripping in the sun. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's so disgusting and so upsetting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'll, that'll carry you through the next 20 to 30 minutes before you see Leatherface. Exactly. Like, yeah. God, that's so gross. <laughs> they're going to, and, and it also like makes you feel just kind of unsafe as an audience member where you're like, oh, fuck, they're going to do some gross shit in this movie. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's weird because they really don't ever do anything more gross than that. No, not really. And, and, right. and I think that's like one of the, 
good things about it is just like it shows you a lot of frames of like bones but it's just animal bones yeah or like when uh sally has escaped back to the gas station with the barbecue yeah and like they're showing you the barbecue and you're not sure what you're looking at you know you're looking at meat Mm. but at this point you've come to suspect like what is the meat in there i and most people just like if you're not a butcher you can't identify it sure right. you can just kind of guess <laughs> but imagine too just like that scene right after that was right before they picked up nubbins and they're getting the smell of the slaughterhouse and like you're mm-hmm. then making associations in your brain about like something that we're not used to seeing but we're so used to consuming and that's why i think i like i think this movie can carry on the generations and why it can still stick with people in a lot of ways is like even maybe even more so now because we're like definitely focused on like what we're consuming, what we're doing. So even like time and place, then those things are really effective. But I think now it's like slaughterhouses are even more disgusting and we know how fucked up they are and we understand those things. So like to now make even more associations with like the imagery to what we're hearing and what we're seeing and what we're being told as far as like what smell is and whether or not you've smelled what like rotting flesh or like, you know, whatever, or like a slaughterhouse smells like you kind of get an idea of what that is. Um, Just a quick question. Cause I know both of you've traveled on the West coast as well at some point, but like mm-hmm. have either of you driven past that like infamous cattle farm that's like up up five between los angeles and san francisco it's a, it's I've, a, it, yeah i've heard of that for like miles and miles you're supposed to be able to smell it and yeah. i don't know if somebody's told me about it i do not remember i'll, te- I'll tell you about it i okay. have oh, it, yeah. is, it is disgusting it is one yeah. of the worst things i've ever smelled yeah and it's just like it like i can't not think of that you know now when somebody describes like slaughterhouse smells Mm -hmm. like it's not even really you're smelling a slaughterhouse it's just the mass amount of cows standing Mm -hmm. in the mud shitting on top of each other Mm. just like it's just it is horrific to see yeah yeah (laughs) but i still like it i still like a wendy's (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's never it's never frozen yeah. Nothing is like Dave totally, Thomas told me. Yeah. Like I get, I can't watch any videos. Like I just can't do it. Like I don't want to know about the mass slaughterhouses. Like uh, that that kills me a lot. But at the same time, like growing up in like a little bit more of a rural area, like I know some of the smells. I'm like I've been around like a lot of dead animals before. You mm-hmm. know, like family doing that and stuff like that. But I. Uh, I can't can't make the combination, but like that's so that's what goes on in my head. Yeah, I feel like we don't smell as many dead skunks anymore. I, I felt like I smelled more dead <laughs> they skunks in the nineties. They, they used to be a big more big nineties thing. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I mean, I have shoveled shit out of a pig pen before. I have, I have um, walked outside um, with a bucket, plastic bucket full of bolt testicles cow testicles and throwing them on the roof of the fairing house for the birds to eat and that smells bad too (laughs) like there is a very distinct smell of like a butcher like a slaughterhouse because Mm -hmm. it's it's the smell of blood in my mind it's the smell of like of 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 rotting blood not necessarily like meat and stuff like that you know what i mean like for whatever reason it's that smell of of like um 
yeah, like putrid blood. Oxidizing really iron. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just blood. fucking really gross. So but. now that we're less than a half hour in and we're all really disgusted about all of yeah. this, <laughs> um, what I like to is then when we do meet Leatherface, we meet him hard and fast and everything just starts rolling from there. But mm-hmm. what I think they did really great is so we got a, for a kill first, you know, like really fast. And then we start seeing the imagery of what's going on in the house with that room that's like filled with bones. There's a fucking chicken in a cage, which I don't know why it was there other than it's really disturbing. And I actually was like, let the chicken out. Like we talk about cage free now, guys. Let's fucking do this. That's just a silly side note. (laughs) Yeah, I I took it as it was his pet or he was going to do something weird to it. Yeah. Um, it, but it still made you feel unsettled. You're like that this chicken should not be in a bird cage. It's a bird. So him being a dumb redneck, again, I don't want to offend anyone who maybe feels like they identify as a dumb redneck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, if they identify as a dumb redneck, they're not going to get mad at you calling them dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe they just don't want other people calling them dumb. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe they've been called dumb and they're really not. Anywho. Yeah. Only um, my mama can call me illiterate. <laughs> I mean, I can't read, but don't make don't a big deal it. out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I ain't going to have no liberal podcast <laughs> call me a dumb hillbilly. <laughs> With your goddamn Chinese space balloon watching me jerk off. <laughs> Ripped um, from the headlines. <laughs> but anywho, yeah, so the chicken in the cage bothered me personally, mm-hmm. but maybe it was his pet, like you said. Um, but that's not, you know, again, the dumb thing. Uh, so I think there's like a lot of great imagery, but I, I'm glad that like what this movie did effective was we're still dealing with an, a movie that's an hour and 20 minutes and it's like still effective and like switches things, switches gears, I think really well. So we get like a bunch of the people killed really fast and then we see like how aggressive and reactive but also then we get notes back to the slaughterhouse killing like what nubbins talks about like or even knows franklin about like how they used to kill animals and then we meet leatherface who's killing all these people in the same fucking way as if they're just fucking cattle you know being slaughtered and i think again this is really effective and really awesome yeah, I kind of almost want to jump th- past a lot of the like all the minute killings and then go more so then to the next, I think, major moment. And this will skip a lot of the time that we're dealing with here in when um, Sally gets captured. So she sees like Franklin gets killed and like all of a sudden she's like freaked out, finds a building. And this is when we meet uh, Drayton Sawyer who like almost plays like you almost think he's like a cop at first or like someone who's just like like a do-gooder in the neighborhood and just like oh yeah come on in like i'll help you out but then turns out to be part of this whole family crew of sawyers and folks that are just going to be murderous people um beats her down captures her takes her back to leather the house of leatherface can he be can this be called the house of leatherface the house of the house that leatherface built they yeah. um doesn't and and nubbins marked the car they don't uh that that always was one of the most creepy things to me it was mm-hmm. though but like i still like so the only thing i'll say is like a weird thing and maybe you guys can clarify so maybe it's something i missed is that he marked the car but i don't think we really get like a direct connection to it because it all felt like mildly of a chaotic situation like they just were in the wrong time wrong place and they're getting killed there wasn't like a we marked the car and now we're going to go back to find the car 
Mm-hmm. Unless mm-hmm. I missed yeah. something. I don't think I did. I mean, though. yeah, I don't know. I, I just always took that as like that was what he was doing and we didn't really see. But they were pulling, you know, they were almost, uh, you know, the you think of as these like dumb, inbred, redneck psychopaths. But they are also like kind of pulling the the strings of the marionettes here a little bit and, you know, making them end up there. And because they've done this to so many people before they have it down to a science, which is like, you know, I think one of the really creepy parts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a process. And maybe that's something that was inspired by another real life killer or team of killers that like they would mark a car and then come back to it. I mean, uh, if we're talking about some of the influences again, I, I don't know much about these silver killers. The, um, if are you, are you, do you actually have evidence like of the, uh, no, Elmer I don't Wayne have evidence, okay. no, but it just sounds, it sounds sure. like something that like something that like highway men would do or well, an urban legend mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what? I almost, cause I, maybe, I don't know if we maybe collectively missed it as I'm curious if in the grave robbings, there was a sign so that if they found the car later on, they would have caught that like symbol somewhere that was just their like little signature. Um, because I don't think like, so one of the other, um, serial killers that this movie is based off of based on off of besides Ed Gein that we already mentioned, which was, I think mm-hmm. mostly just the leather face aspect of it, of like, well, the grave people. robbing too. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, is like the Elmer Wayne Henley. And then he had other accomplices that was David Owen Brooks. And then also Dean Coral, 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 Dean Coral. Um, Dean Coral. Um, so like, I didn't, I don't think those three had like a calling, but they just collectively like captured and raped and murdered like a bunch of teenage boys. So, um, I don't know if there was a calling there and I don't think there was, uh, mm. but I could see if maybe I missed something in like some of the notes about if like on the radio, there was like a something on the graves or somewhere there as a signature, but I don't think there was a full connection or a full sort of round circle. Cause I feel like these people are just kind of so dumb that I don't necessarily think, and especially um, specifically uh, Drayton Sawyer, the, you know, the one that was kind of like, he almost felt like he wasn't always involved in the murders, but he was always like helping the family because he's in the mm-hmm. family. Yeah. Well, um, even he mentions that he's like, he's not one for the killing. Yeah, exactly. That, um, oh, fuck, I had, I was going with a point right there. Um, that, oh, yeah, like they all just seem like, they do have a process of when they capture and kill people, but all around, like, I don't think they're very smart enough to necessarily like hunt. They don't mm. really seem like necessarily hunters. They seem like, and it's like opportunistic. Yeah. Yeah. This situation specifically is very opportunistic. It's very chaotic. You know, it clearly shows that it was very unplanned because uh, Drayton makes that very clear of like, you need to make sure all these people are dead before yada, yada, yada. Um, he almost seems like the smartest of the bunch. Um, so anywho, he made um, it out. Yeah, he made it <laughs> He's out. He's the one who made it out. <laughs> uh, we have Sally back at the house. And I think this, this is always like just a silly scene to me is where now we get introduced to Grandpa. Um, mm-hmm. And one of my favorite, I actually sent part of a video to a friend, but when he's like, uh, sucking on the finger because of the blood and somehow invigorates him back, to, you know, wakes him up, energizes him. Um, mm. 
the, I sent that scene because that made me laugh a little bit because he almost seems like he's dancing. Um, but the scene right after it, and I don't know if there's a connection, but it makes me want to as like a music fan. Are you guys familiar with the band Def Haven? I'm not. It's fine. Uh, they they put out an album probably about a year and a half ago now, and like when right after that it goes to this like moon scene and it, it reminds me of their album cover for it. I'll send it to you guys and I'll be like, yes, that's. It. I um, thought you said I thought you were gonna say the the, the album is called like sucking fingies or something. Oh, that would be better. It's not that Fingy macabre. Fingy treats. <laughs> Fingy treats. Uh, macabre needs to like make that <laughs> their next album. Fingy Yummy treats. Yummy fingy treats. <laughs> cold snacks were these warm snacks then? <laughs> fingy mm. cold snacks cold fingy <laughs> snacks. Did, snacks uh did anybody feel and maybe it's just i don't know i don't know what it is but like drayton sounds like david lynch <laughs> a little bit like the way he enunciates kind of yeah yeah, yeah he, i he can is, see that he he's high pitched and, he's, and then he's just, also kind of screaming right he's high pitched and he's yelling and it just made me think of david lynch in twin peaks when he's do, being the fbi director <laughs> oh, he's and literally yelling. the guy with the things in his ears yeah he um david lynch that's he also kind of talks like that in real life he just kind of scream talks right yeah 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 but i just i just felt like at any point drayton would just go into if you can believe it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh he did he actually does he's like redneck david lynch yeah yeah it's fucking great um mm. what's also great the scene we just saw or i think we i think it's right before that even with the dinner is just like i felt like it just made me feel so uncomfortable as we're sitting there she's screaming bloody murder and mm-hmm. everyone's just laughing at her i it was very effective for me because i think it lasted long enough to make it so uncomfortable that you're just like uh, i don't know what's gonna happen now like but i remember great. very very vividly the first time i saw this movie and I pro I was probably 12 or 13 and maybe even younger. I, d- I don't remember exactly, but I remember the first time watching this and it was on TV. It was on like a cable channel or something. So it was, it was even edited. Um, you know, I don't think too dramatic. They usually don't cut this movie up too much when it's on, but in any case, um, boy, th- like it just was the first time I saw just like, just maniacal just like mayhem you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like just like sick demented mayhem on screen Mm. yeah and i remember just thinking like what the fuck is like what am i watching right now Mm. like and now you know fast forward 20 some years later and it's like not really that i mean it's it's still a very effective scene but like you know obviously yeah it's a a lot sillier now it's yeah. a, it's an effective scene of chaos simply because like she's screaming and then like Nubbins is laughing and Drayton is yelling at Leatherface and mm-hmm. like Leatherface has a lady mask on and it's like what the fuck is that like yeah, it's a whole just lot of depravity yeah. happening yeah. on screen yeah. I remember that was the first time I was just like what am I watching right now mm-hmm. Yeah, so right after the scene, Sally is able to, I think this might have been part of the finger sucking scene where she's able, because she has a little bit of a like leverage here, is able to get out, jumps through a window and starts running. Um, oh, which one I of the greatest gives, scenes in tour history. Yeah, the jumping like, out the window and mm-hmm. then, the, yeah, the Yeah, escape. the chase, the escape. Um, I feel like, again, this is probably what you see, you like remember, like it's like 
blasted ever. Like every time I see a horror movie about or a horror t-shirt about this movie, like it's like Leatherface wailing his fucking um, swinging the chainsaw swing, in the sunset yeah. and all that. Yeah, or yeah. was it sunrise at that point? It would have been would've, sunrise would've been at sunrise. that point. Yeah, yeah it would have been sunrise this morning. Yeah, right. Uh, so silly other things that I felt like was really crazy, but I, I don't know why they decided to do of like, I liked it, but, and maybe it showed how uh, fumbly like the whole uh, Sawyer family is with like Leatherface falling and like almost, almost sawing his fucking leg off a little bit. So, mm. you know, it, I think it kind of showed that they like, they're definitely flawed people and like, they're like, they don't know what the fuck they're doing and they're definitely super clumsy. And like, there's no, it's not like they're cunning and Mm-mm. like sly with anything i think that was like mm. in my mind it's the only thing that makes sense with it otherwise they're it just feels like, like agents a, of chaos a little bit yeah it doesn't feel like a, a scene that would make sense unless it's just trying to tell you of like make you realize it's like no they're they're this they're they're clumsy and they're they're mm. fucked up here yeah they're yeah they're just buffoonish you know hillbillies yeah. they're not uh, they're not like and and again that's the way it's tying back into real life because like Ed Gein wasn't a genius, he was a weird. <laughs> you know, he was a weird Wisconsin illiterate, you know, poo brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he barely I functioned. Poo brains in- tonight, guys. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, there's certain the, words yeah. we can't say anymore, Meg. <laughs> yeah. Smooth fish brain. Yeah. <laughs> He's got dog brains. You know, all he understands is kill and bad and good. <laughs> I, I still whacked out poo brains from Adventure Time. That's yeah. how I got yeah. whacked out poo brains. Yeah. And, um, I, and I stole poo brains because I almost said the other word. <laughs> oh. Oh. I don't say oh. those words anymore. Um. <laughs> Any hoops. But, but yeah, but yeah, yeah Ed Gein, yeah, Ed Gein isn't a genius. He's he was just a guy acting on instinct mm-hmm. and like what his desires were. And he had weird, upsetting desires of turning women into furniture and clothing. Yeah, so, he was not cool. Yeah. Not a good <laughs> he is a, Ed Gein, a real jerk. Not cool. Here, here, guys. I'm gonna I don't care who gets mad at me. I'm taking a hard stance on this. Ed Gein. Not cool. Not cool. <laughs> not cool with Ed Gein. Don't want to be. Would not want to be pals with Ed Gein. Yeah. So I. So yeah. But I think that's what translates into the movie is mm-hmm. that you know Ed Gein was just this illiterate bumpkin, and that's you know he, he he was a doof, and so they turned everybody who's part of the Sawyer family. They're all doofs on some level. Yeah. And like they were just slaughterhouse workers that turned cannibals. God goddamn goof troop up there yeah yeah Yeah. so um pretty much to wrap it up we get our most iconic scene where we see sally well she first tries to get or this is where nubbins gets fucking fucked up and gets killed by the one truck driver he ends up like trying to help sally um doesn't make it out um But Sally gets into the truck and she drives out in the sunset and then she lives a very happy, prosperous life forever after that point. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, pretty much how it everything ends. Everything was probably pretty cool. She went back no, to work on Monday. She was yeah. like, what a weekend. No PTSD, no toxic traits for the rest of her life. Guys, yeah, we that was know like- what happens to her. She becomes yeah. a Texas Ranger and searches <laughs> Leatherface out and then finds him in a Wild West shootout ghost town. Yep. I love yep. that. Every, that it's all canon. And that's all canon. Mm-hmm. 
That's uh, all canon. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I'd seen this movie in a long time, and like I kind of forgot how much I liked it. I it's a really solid one. Um, really solid movie, guys. If you guys didn't already know, um, I, I do like, and I think like there's so much more we could elaborate on if we wanted to talk about this for another half hour. But I think like there's a lot of like notes about what was going on relevant to the time and place of that situation, which I think it's really I, I like those type. Of, I personally do like again. Why I don't love Steven's movie of cool? You're in trouble. She's using full last name. She's, she's using the government long form. <laughs> she can start when she gonna start using your middle name. You're fucked. I don't know his middle name. Good. Um, that's fine. We'll leave it that way. It's my secret to keep. <laughs> it's it's Bart. Um, yeah, like I, I really do. I I think just like the imagery alone of like it infers so much of what's going on, and you like it allows you to feel the story because it, it, it does happen really fast you know it, mm -hmm. it could have i don't think if the imagery that we saw and certain things were in place it could have felt like a very um awkward or ineffective movie um so i think this movie does a great job at that yeah. um it's thankfully fast because then mm. you get past all the terrible acting because yeah. that is the one thing that really stuck out to me it's also That's been fine. a while since i've seen this original and holy shit is the acting abysmal <laughs> Sally yeah. does a good job. Sa uh, yeah, everything that's not Sally is fucking terrible, though. I especially totally like Franklin it. and yeah. the other girl. The other girl is so god awful. So oh, bad. Franklin is one of the most like consistently disliked characters in horror. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's because you know, obviously he's a bad actor. He's mm -hmm. super annoying, like on purpose. Obviously, the character is right. super annoying. But then you also feel bad for thinking he's annoying because yes. he's in a wheelchair, which mm -hmm. makes you hate him more. But you know what I think it could, uh, like, again, like not defending anything here. Of Don't like, make me feel bad about your disability, you asshole. You suck. Of like what it feels like. Again, they keep doing it over and over again. Of like having someone that you constantly need to help and who's kind of mildly helpless, but also mm -hmm. allows him to seem like a character who's super vulnerable. The only yeah. thing that they could have done better with that is like if they made him a stronger character, but I don't know if they, how they could have done that, especially then. But I, yeah. I totally agree about the acting though. Yeah. I think it's more about the actor in that role because I don't think he understands the role he's playing. He's Franklin is just somebody who's like paralyzed below the waist Mm -hmm. But the actor at time plays him as also like mentally disabled. Sure. Because he's yeah. just like, he, he seems to be always like sweating and staring off and like not. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're not playing him as a real person. You know, you're, you're playing you're him just as like playing the disability. Why did the Sawyer a little bit? family yeah. adopt him? They probably could have adopted him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, the only thing I see with the acting is like, I totally agree. And I'm not giving any passes for people like in the 70s fucking acting. I just think overall, the acting in general, it was like a gem to find someone who was like really solid in acting. But that's mm. not saying that that has any excuse for this movie, is it? I agree. Pull on. Well, finding, some, finding somebody who's good at acting on a budget. Sure. Yeah, that's that the thing. Yeah, there, on this low budget. Go. I mean, it's funny, like, to, and I think that's why this movie gets so much credit for, like, a couple things. One, it was, like, it was very innovative um, for its time. But also, it does feel like one of those movies that is a very pure um 
communication of like Toby Hooper's vision. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even down to like the way he shoots things, which again, people think of this, especially people who haven't seen it a lot of times or are perhaps just like casual horror fans that know about the movie or have seen it once or twice. They talk about it as being this like really gory kind of slasher movie, but it's way more of a psychological horror movie than it is a slasher movie. There's like actually not very much blood at all. Um, Yeah. Except for, you know, kind of right at the end, you know, when Sally's all covered in blood. Can we talk about like slasher just for a minute? And obviously how we talk about it now, it's like very bloody and very like a knife going into someone's head, but we still get like, because I think they were like using a blunt force, like object, you know, you were just mm-hmm. like not getting it as much. Granted, the blood well, budget. It's very probably... violent. It's yeah. just not gory. Sure. So like, yeah, of yeah. course, the, the, the smacking what's his face in the head. And then, you know, you it's, infer uh, it, you blood, know, I think, in your mind a lot. Well, yeah. yeah. Gunnar so Hansen goes to the psychological. Like Gunnar Hansen acts with a lot of physicality, which is great. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he's, uh, you know, an unbelievable actor or anything, but he, he he's a obviously a, a, a foreboding guy and he also acts with a lot of physicality so like when he slaps the dude in the head and, and you know the scene that that sucker punches you and then the way he slams the door is the scariest mm-hmm. part because of course the guy's like seizing you know laying there like seizing and shaking and shit and he just like very uncaringly very swift very much like you would imagine somebody who's going to dispatch an animal and wanting to do it in just a yeah. humane way or something you're just acting very deliberately and very callously i feel and like when he slams that door it's just like fuck like know, that okay. dude's super dead um mm-hmm. So I'm almost going back to, and again, I think you're hitting the head on the head about the psychological. I don't know if I really thought about that until you said it, but I, you're 110%, 10%. But I almost felt like um, like when the door is shutting so, uh, so abruptly is like almost this process. But I t- texted you guys last week saying that I just watched the menu. And I don't know if you've watched it, but if anyone who's I watched it. I still haven't watched it. The only thing I'll like play into that is like there is um, a direct like very like he claps a lot. Like it's not giving away the movie at all. But you're mm-hmm. almost creating this pattern of like thought and um, uh, noise, cor- noise correlation. Not only is it jarring, but also um, you uh, I'm trying to think of like. The Maslow's, Maslow's uh, dog, where you hear the bell Pavlovi- and you immediately Pavlov, Pavlov, Pavlov. yeah, um, yep. you hear the bell and you like start drooling, but you hear the door and you're instantly you're like, oh my god, someone's dead. I think yeah. like all these things play into what you start getting conditioned to in the movie, and I think that's a uh, really effective. It was a really terrible explanation for me, guys, but I think I got my point across. No, but, I get what you're saying. But yeah, I like it's it, that but I like sense it. of like, I think the uh, the um, another scene where it does this and not necessarily with sound, but with the physicality. And this is, I think a testament to Toby Hooper's direction is whenever, and I don't even remember her name, but the other woman in the van, that's horrible at acting, um, horrible at delivering lines. I'll say she's, she's pretty good physical actor. I think, um, Eh. well, whenever he, Pam, it's Pam, but whenever he hangs her on the meat hook though, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But then when she jumps out of the, Turn the sound off and watch when she jumps out of the freezer. It is so laughably shit. <laughs> it, no, but it's I cartoonish. also feel like that was weird yeah. that they even decided to do that. Like that is definitely a weak point. I'm like, 
in the freezer, she should have been dead. Like to me, I kind of like, forgot that she even did that. To be honest with you, yeah, I kind of just like, like scrubbed that from my. <laughs> it's such a silly it's scene. I, I, like, it's I'm so cartoonish. That, that is a mean, like weak point for the movie for sure. But um, whenever he hangs her on the meat hook, you don't see anything. You know, I was saying, see it. You know, the meat hook going in or whatever. But the way Toby Hooper shoots it, he shoots it from like. Basically, uh, the the meat hook is in like the foreground when he carries her into the room, right? Um, if I recall, and it's such an effective scene, mm-hmm. and it's such a because you see the pointiness and the shape of, it and you're like, oh, good god, I already know what's going to happen, and then it's just really impressive cinematography, um, and I mm-hmm. think that like that is an example. And then also the way they do that effect, which is a super simple little effect, but just the way that they add a little bit of like weight to her body, even though she's obviously not hanging on anything, she could have been stand, not standing, she's probably standing on a fucking milk crate or something. Mm-hmm. But the way that he like directed her to do that, um, like, I don't know how to describe it. Just putting like just a weight slouching. on the hook. Yeah. yeah. But like, but it's almost like he drops onto the hook and you, it's it just, it's, you, feel it, it. you could swear you saw it go in, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's possible that like she was on, uh, she was on a harness and then like the, so like the, the weight, the, the gravity. She could have been, you don't see her feet, so she could have just yeah. been standing on something. But anyway, it's, yeah. Point is they, they, the physicality of that. Um, you know the 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 perspective they shot it from, the cinematography, everything makes it seem like you. Even when uh, when when our boy uh, in the wheelchair, Franklin, gets you know uh, chainsaw to the chest, you don't see anything at all. Right. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because it's filmed um, from behind him. Yeah, yeah, but it's just but you like, know what's going on. And I think like if again, uh, like. I feel like it, this movie feels like it was a higher budget than it was. Like a thing, you know, I it just because of the way they decided to do um, all the different shots, I think mm. it makes you think and feel different things that I would have not like not necessarily put it for a low budget film for it being mm. a low budget film. Well, if you, know you do I mean? the inflation on it, it's $750,000. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it's not, it's, it's, it's a low budget film, but it's, it's not that low budget of a film. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they actually got, they actually got a, a an okay budget and they spent it, I think on the right things. Mm-hmm. And, they obviously Toby Hooper was obviously a, like a very very competent director already, and yeah, yeah, and, and they but, made the most of their money. Yeah, but I mean, like you were saying before about it being like a very singular vision type mm-hmm. film. You know, I think that comes across. You know, it, it comes across in this film, and it's like you see that with other directors for better or worse. Like, I mean, George Romero, you know. Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead. Those are very singular to his vision. You mm-hmm. know, just the way those films play out. Yeah. Uh, you know, so like you can tell a Sam Raimi film when you watch a Sam Raimi film. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I think, yeah, again, again, that speaks to why. Why didn't Toby Hooper get a bigger chance? Well, you know, he had his own. He had his own thing because you fucking rubes can't dig on life force. Um, I think the uh, the um, jerk offs. <laughs> goddamn idiots. Um, what was the uh, damn? What was the other thing I was just about to say? Um, 
shit, I got off on a, uh, you got me thinking about life force. I got all excited. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't know. The, the thought boobs. is gone. I get the, it. Yeah. Now I understand. I'm thinking about, me too. Now I'm thinking about alien boobs and now I lost my train of thought, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, Toby Hooper is, is one of those guys that's like, Oh, what were you saying? Something about a, a Raimi film, and I don't know. It's out of yeah. my head. Yeah, it's talking about well, singular you, you vision a directors. Film, you know a Raimi yeah. film, like that's what he was saying. Yeah. Any hoops? I don't. You know Artism. Yeah. Any hoopers? Um, that's all we got for this film. You went back to that pun. That's just, I did. That's, I did uh, it twice. It's discouraging. Um, yes. All right, let's get into my movie here. That I mean, listen. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, classic of the genre. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> perhaps the most distressing opening credits of any movie of all time. Mm. Mm. Yep. That music and the sound and the imagery in the beginning of this movie just sets the fucking tone mm-hmm. so well. Mm-hmm. It's just distressing. Yeah, yeah you, it does you a already lot of work. feel like, yeah, yeah. like that. Ah, this is why I, I think like, Ah, I already said all the things I need to say. Yes, yeah. is all I'm going to say in response to that. I could repeat myself. Any hoops? Yeah. Any hoopers? Doesn't feel that like I know. Show? You got to give up. Just God give up on it forever. Going to land. Give up. Our, it hasn't landed. It's missed by a fucking mile. It's like you you have three arrows in your in your quiver. The first two missed by four yards. Just <laughs> let the last one sit in there. Um, Man, you guys anyway. are really coming down hard on <laughs> me on this episode. So, that, um, I'm you're feeling the champ, it. Stupid. I'm feeling yeah, you're it. The I'm champ. feeling Get it. Get shit together. You know, but I'm still a sensitive human, and I'm a yeah. sensitive champ. Liar. Well, if you're going to be the champ, I'm also using that skin, against bitch. you guys. Um, Fuck you. <laughs> I'm a sensitive human. Fuck you. Double fingers. <laughs> double guns. Fuck. <laughs> all right and it's like let's get in a beer right here just a beer just i'm just a sensitive sh- human crush a beer can in your yeah, forehead that's the one thing that the audience doesn't see like they hear meg making her pleas of like i'm a sensitive human but they don't see all the time she's given us the finger throughout the episode okay, like so a thousand I, I times an episode she gives us double middle figures i'm gonna let the audience believe what they want to believe <laughs> i'm sure you are <laughs> Um, they, get, all right. they, they can follow me on social media you're, and get you're to know an ultimate manipulator <laughs> ultimate manipulator Meg um, alright <laughs> then she blew a kiss <laughs> now she's blowing kisses like she's like a royalty in a parade for some reason I don't understand Thanks, she's Grand Marshall. gaslighting us um, <laughs> alright let me talk about my movie Fox Alright, so I went in a completely different direction. Um, so far in a different direction that it's not even a horror movie, but yeah, good. <laughs> it is it is a weird take on a horror movie, that's for sure. Um it is a movie about horror movies more than it is a horror movie. I will agree with that. Um so Strong prediction th- that our roundabout uh, at the end is going to be Steve just defending why his movie is the best when we're both like it's not. Anywho, yeah. continue, Brian. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, you've bets listened on to it. the show before? <laughs> I'm putting bets on it. You can put that clip at the end, and mm-hmm. then it'll be exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm going to talk about 2017's One Cut of the Dead, uh, which is a Japanese, um, I would say, zombie horror comedy mockumentary kind. It's it's a very, very unique film. I, I can safely say, like, there's you're not going to I don't think I, I've ever heard of another movie that 
does some of the same things this movie does in the same way. Um, it's directed by Shinichiro Ueda, um, and I am going to probably refer to the characters in this movie as like their roles <laughs> on the on the set as opposed to their name. So I don't um, embarrass myself and butcher their names. Um, but uh, so this is this is a pretty unique flick. Um, and I would say and I will go as far as to risk this on my behalf. If you haven't seen this movie, go see it. Like I would I, I would feel bad um, depriving you of the experience of seeing this movie just completely blind. I was fortunate enough to go in the first time I saw it completely blind and absolutely fell in love with it the first time I've watched it. This is probably the fourth or fifth time I've seen it um, in the last well, you know, five, four or five years. years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, since it came out. Although I didn't see it until I think maybe 2018, 2019. I didn't see it upon, if, you know, it first coming out. So, I mean, it's kind of the old like mirror inside a mirror inside a mirror type of thing. I, I'll explain as, as we go on. Um, you, you open on, um, you know, what is very obviously this low budget zombie movie production um and there's this scene happening you kind of get the idea that the the two actors in the scene um one being you know supposed to be representing like you know the living dead he's like a zombie he's attacking this 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 uh this other character this woman and it's just like not really coming together and then the fourth wall pretty quickly breaks and you get this the director come in and you don't know anything about him at this point um, but you get this kind of, he's this like kind of loose cannon type of director. He's like berating the actors regarding, you know, the, the way that they're performing. Um, and then you start to get these like relationship dynamics between the cast and the crew. Um, especially if you're coming into this blind and you know, there's something interesting or a twist or something like this to the movie which I remember the first time I watched it feeling that same way. Everybody was like, just go, you know, whenever you hear somebody go, just go in blind, don't look up anything about it. Then you know that there's going to be some sort of surprise or twist or something like that. So I was looking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching it with that, with that kind of eye. And I remember picking up on these weird little pauses or um, uh, uh, strange off-camera glances that the performers are making. And you don't know why, but you're seeing a lot of them. You're seeing um, almost these like glimpses into the actors like dynamics between each other um, in that, you know, they'll pause and then you almost see like a knowing glance, like say something else, you forgot your line or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. and you're not really sure why this is happening. They haven't brought you into that world yet. Um, but ultimately um, you spend the first 30 minutes, 35 minutes of the movie um, watching uh, this this zombie movie that essentially is a zombie movie production that is interrupted by a real zombie outbreak wherein the director in his like maniacal genius or however you want to call it, not genius, psychopathic tendencies, whatever, decides that he's going to film his zombie movie that isn't really going according to plan um, or, or or he has planned 
a, a situation with this like uh, it's pretty loose. They don't really talk about it that much, but essentially he does some sort of like ritual or magic spell or something but like that that turns people into zombies. That basically had some sort of story behind it too, which I thought. Put yeah, into, yeah, it's like this old water treatment plant that like had some sort of uh, ritual that dead. happened there. Yeah, well, there were and scientists. They, they they played it like where they were doing testing on people, but like yeah, like the undead of sorts. But it, yeah, it's very flimsy. And they kind of intentionally don't really go into it. It's it's just like it's surface level meant to be a flimsy zombie plot. Um, and he is has done this and brought real zombies into existence um, to kind of punch up his you know, failing zombie movie production. So that's kind of what you're seeing for the first, you know, 30 to 40 minutes. Now you do notice pretty quickly that it's all like one or seemingly all one sustained shot with one single handheld camera. Um, or that's what it appears to be. So it almost like reads like this, you know, 30 ish minute found footage kind of faux documentary like I said, of this real zombie out outbreak or that's like happened the title's during like super on the nose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what one cut of the dead or the yeah, original? No, like when yeah. I when I yeah. thought of it, get I'm like, yeah, no, this is just going to be like, uh, you know what I mean, like a one shot. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, like that's yeah. what I'm. But yeah, I can't remember what what was the movie. I don't even remember if they said it. What the name of the movie within the movie within the movie is? It's Ooh, it's one of the it's, it's one cut of the dead. Yeah. Well, the one that they're doing on TV in one it's cut also, is, but it's also one. It's all yeah, one it cut. Is. We yeah. learned. No, yeah, no, 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 it's not. The one, the one, the original movie within the movie within the movie that they were shooting <clears throat> when the director is first yelling at the young actors. Oh, oh, oh it's, That's okay. not called One Cut of the Dead. Oh, it's okay. a fictional movie. It doesn't exist. But that fictional movie is called like. I don't know horror zombie bullshit. It's some bullshit. Okay, stupid yeah, yeah. Oh, when you like, when you, yeah, when yeah, you okay. go to the yeah. deepest parts of the Inception, yes, yeah. correct, yeah. correct, correct, correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which <laughs> just is even in this in, even in this one cut one take, it mm-hmm. was all it, it like immediately stood out to me that they broke the fourth wall twice in a way mm-hmm. to break the fifth wall because, yeah. <laughs> like you said, it starts with this bad badly acted scene. And right. the director comes in and that breaks the fourth wall. But sure. then throughout that, you get a number of times where the camera that we're watching through is acknowledged as a camera. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> where is the camera and who is the camera? Yeah. And even at the yeah. end, uh, during the credits at the end, they actually show you footage from the other from another camera behind that camera mm-hmm. so you're like you're bu- you're watching from a camera that's behind a camera that's behind the camera yeah you're watching you know, the so- true production of the film <laughs> yeah mm. um but then you know so it is it is a very inception type of uh type of feel to it but um so you're only seeing what's happening from this like third person camera perspective um and you get a lot of those like zombie tropes that are all compacted into that 30 minutes Mm -hmm. and it's very predictable and it's very but you kind of get the feeling that something is simmering right below the surface that you don't know about as the viewer you have not yet been brought into the fold on you know um so like yeah they do the whole like oh they don't know what's happening there's confusion um there's panic uh oh uh somebody gets killed they come to terms with what's actually happening then someone is bitten and they're trying to conceal that they've been bitten and what do we do you know a lot of those just like zombie really 
common zombie tropes come about. Um, and then the film you're watching, like I said, at about the, I don't know, 35 minute mark or something like that comes to its like climactic conclusion on this roof. And there's like this lingering shot of this woman you know, the survivor on this like pentagram painted on the roof. That's how the zombies got, you know, summoned or whatever. And then you get this, the, the, the fourth wall's broken and you rewind to the director, you know, basically shooting a completely different movie. And I always thought the really interesting part about this is it, it really is like three movies. And, you know, it's like the, the three like the the traditional like three act structure is like broken up to like it almost feels like three entirely separate movies that are shot differently that are lit differently that are mm-hmm. um uh even i don't even know if they're shot on the same type of film like they look very I very different so. yeah um so the second act if you will after we've saw this one original you know we've just saw one cut of the dead, right? The Mm -hmm. movie. And then all of a sudden you get this, this like almost, um, Oh, 20 minutes or so where it's like this melodrama type of thing with this family, the, the director, um, who plays the maniacal director in the movie. He's a real director in real life. Um, and his family, And, you know, it's basically he's on a completely different project um, and you get this whole completely different feel of of uh, of this other production that he's on. And he's actually this very mild mannered kind of director who you kind of get the feeling. Now, this happens over time that his like vision for what he wants to be as an as a filmmaker, as an artist has kind of been like snuffed out over time a little bit Mm -hmm. um where now he's been like basically pressured into doing this more like this commercial stuff and like his wife um was an actress who they don't really say why she stopped acting but they just kind of like over time you it starts to be a little bit more cartoonish over time as to why she stopped acting because of the kid type thing maybe well yes and no because i think ultimately what they what what you come to learn is that she had to stop acting because she was uh, a danger to everyone around her. She's and super that she, method. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. she's so over the top method that she loses herself in the character and does physical harm to other people. Like she broke an actor's arm on set and she just has just completely gets lost in the character so much so that it's like a danger to people around her and it negatively affects her relationships. Um, but they now also have a daughter who I'm going to assume is like late teens, early twenties type of thing, who is like this aspiring, like renegade filmmaker wannabe kind of thing that also I think represents the, the main character directors like that was what he was like when he was younger, mm-hmm. I think. So it's like she's kind of following in his footsteps a little bit. But but again, his like vision has kind of been like neutered over time. Um, yeah, I must have missed that whole wife thing. I don't know like how I missed that. Yeah. But he, yeah, he even goes as far as to like to like he's being in, interviewed by a TV studio producers for mm-hmm. this new project. And like he even goes as far as to like he has a line that he tells people that he's like, you know, I'm cheap and I'm quick and I'll yeah. get it done averagely. <laughs> yeah. That he has kind of come to that conclusion that he is like the, he is this commercial director and that's how he's going to be. And he's kind of 
yeah, he is foregone his uh, artistic morality, I guess, if you will. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. Um, it for the sake of just like being a consistent working director, you mm-hmm. know, um, in any case. Um, so they bring basically these studio people come to him with an idea that they want to make a live action, like literally broadcast live single shot, single take zombie movie. And he agrees to do it. Long story short, um, they start interviewing. He has this great script. He's interviewing and and auditioning uh, performers and cast members stuff. And he has a lot of his cast and crew, or specifically most mostly the crew, but also some cast members that seem to work with him fairly regularly. And you you quickly realize that the movie that we saw in the first roughly half hour of the movie is the movie that they ultimately made. Right. Um, So now you're seeing how that came to fruition. So not only do we kind of get like the building up to it and the dynamics between the cast, you learn a lot about kind of all the wacky behind the scenes stuff that was happening, Mm -hmm. not just in the production, but actually the individual characters as well. Yeah, you get the wife a lot about the wife and director and their home life and that sort of thing. Um, You also learn that you know, about the wife's former acting. You learn that the guy who was acting in the first scene, in the opening scene, who was supposed to be like the bad actor or whatever, he's kind of this like up and coming prima donna type of performer Mm -hmm. that the daughter is also like kind of, you know, has like a, you know, a teen idol type of crush on. I don't even know if it's mm-hmm. crush as much as she's just like infatuating him as he's, he's, he's this teen Related idol type of person. Yeah. I think was like how it was. Yeah. Yeah. Which it was like, um, made it seem like it was like a connection between like the dad and the daughter again too. Like, yeah. So he like specifically was like, okay, I got to hire this guy cause she likes him. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but it, there's also like this, in Japan, there's like this cult, this teen idol culture. That's also very different than, than ours. So I think, yeah, it's not necessarily that she's like has romantic feelings for him as much as she's just kind of like infatuated with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any case, um, and then the <laughs> one of my favorite characters, the sound guy, like the boom <laughs> mic guy who has like yeah. tummy troubles. He's always like about to shit his pants. Where, where are the porta potties? Uh, yeah. And he's always like, I need to be within a certain distance of a porta potty <laughs> and he's always like i emailed you he I always emailed has you. his line it's just the repeated <laughs> yeah and they're like sorry and he's like i, I emailed, emailed you, you. <laughs> did you yeah. get it <laughs> yeah. i just feel like just to cut in like we're getting into i think what the silly part of this movie is is like mm. the first i I feel like the only thing I knew walking into it is I thought it was like a 30 minute zombie movie. Like literally Mm -hmm. that was it. That was all I had familiarity with. And then Mm -hmm. I I was like, Oh, there's credits, but there's another hour. What the fuck is happening? But, um, what I appreciated, it was like, it almost was like felt like this, like behind the scenes, like, again, we talked about a mockumentary, like, like it got really silly and you started having fun with it. And I think everything we're about to go into, I think showed this side of this movie that just, the zombie story aside, it was kind of a fun, silly story. And yeah. I, I appreciated that about it. Yeah. 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 It, 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 the whole thing is a lot more lighthearted than it seems initially. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the way the film is constructed. Because mm-hmm. like you were saying, we, we get the 30 minute zombie film and things are off. Then you have 
the flashback that gives you the setup to all the characters and like motivations behind it. And then the last third of the film is you see the, you see the making of the film, the actual shooting of the film happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then everything that was built in those characters and everything that was wrong in the first 30 minutes is paid off by the, by the two of them coming together. Mm -hmm. And you see, you know, like it's, it's a very funny movie and it's mm-hmm. funny that they can replay a scene that already basically happened, but yeah. now it gives you extra context and now mm-hmm. it's funny again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. At first yeah. it was more like confusing and like funny and it's just kind of strangeness, but now you're seeing why they're acting the way they are, why there's pauses in the places that there were pauses. So you're seeing the behind the scenes, you know, you're seeing how the sausage was made kind of thing mm-hmm. and all the, the crazy things that went wrong and they ultimately you know came together as uh, a group and and more even specifically as a family mm-hmm. um, the director and his family came together to kind of make this thing a reality but a couple other scenes I'll, I'll kind of mention that i really like first of all i really like the character which is it was kind of a dark character um and it's played mostly for laughs but it is kind of a, a, a very unfortunate dark character is the, I, I forget his name. I'm Manabu. not even trying to remember it. Was is he the guy a, with the alcohol, the alcoholic? Yeah. Yeah. It's this guy who was just like a raging alcoholic. And that's not the funny part. The funny part is how he talks about it in this very like show busy, um, laughing, trying to keep it light. Even when he's talking about this, like really, terrible internal struggle that he's dealing with that's like basically taking his family away from him and all this stuff or he's lost mm-hmm. you know his family because of his alcoholism and he's just like kind of trying to talk about it like it's his you know golf game or something mm-hmm. and it's oh, yeah. making the director really uncomfortable but he's trying to match his tone and then he just bursts into tears it's like it's very it's like it's a very black comedy kind of scene. But I think that gets brought up even more so when they utilize when he does get drunk and they like, he ends up puking and it somehow comes out very perfectly in the movie. And you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you know what I mean? It all comes full circle, even with like this mild, like black comedy run. So his character specifically, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the, the guy, it, it's a comedy of errors, if you will, yeah. Uh, yeah. kind of yeah, behind totally. the scene. And they, they um, definitely have to adapt. I, I'm, I'm half wondering because there's a lot of um, just so like, okay, specifically this character we're talking about right now in the movie, his character's name is Manabu uh, Hosoda. Uh, Hosoda. Mm-hmm. But Hosoda. Like, yeah, 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 that's the, but his but his actor name is Manabu Hosoi. Mm. And so like there's a lot and then there's a character named now and then there's a character named Mal played by Mal. So mm-hmm. like there's even further depths to the yeah. the the like the meta of this film. Yeah, that I think we're I think we're missing simply just because translation no. wise. Well, I think there is. Ma- oh, you mean literally like linguistically? Yeah. Perhaps. Literal, yeah. Um, literal linguistic translation as to why like they they share so many similar names. Yeah, I, I so one thing that I saw and, and I wish I would have rewatched this because I think the second time I watched this movie, I watched it on the last drive in with mm-hmm. Joe Bob Briggs and he does a big deep dive into it and stuff. Um, and I wish I would have rewatched that before. I just didn't have time to. But he does. I, I do remember them talking about how like most of 
if not all of these actors were were essentially unknown Mm -hmm. um, when Mm -hmm. they made this movie. So I do wonder if they, you know, wrote into the script some like characteristics or or even inside jokes that were associated with the individual real life performers, yeah. you know, and that's why they named them things so sim- similar to, to, to their, their majority real, of them, real life I mean, names. I'm like looking at the cast right now, majority of them went by like their characters were their full name. I mean, they're, it's, I mean, or a, it was or a slightly like tweaked version. Yeah. 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 Super slightly tweaked, which I, I think I kind of appreciated too, because I think like it allowed this idea to like get inside. I think it allowed you to believe the second half of the movie and like really get into it. Mm-hmm. It allowed yeah. the, the scene. Yeah. Also, I think I might be wrong on this, but I feel like, so there's the scene where they're, they're prepping like the first table read, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they have a they have uh, somebody who's supposed to play the director, and Correct. then they right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they wind they wind up not making it. But I think that character's name is the person who plays the director's actual name. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I might be wrong about that. But like, it's just like a it's a deeper it's a deeper level. So like the the yeah. the director. It's so hard to talk about this film in some, in some yeah. ways. So, like the director's name, director uh, Higurashi, his name is uh, Takayuki Hamatsu. Yeah, and I believe that's supposed to be the actor's name who plays the director or was mm. supposed to play. That'd be pretty fun. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So many the, levels, the one at but, the table read. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's so. Yeah. Um, it's so confusing, yeah, have- and I think that, but I think that's right, and it's just like <laughs> another way to be funny. <laughs> Well, and this is, I should mention this as well, is the director was not originally going to be in it, right. but that guy didn't show or something happened. He couldn't come. I, can, I don't remember there, exactly a, what. Him and, because they lose two actors. They, yeah, they, they also, lose the one that's supposed to play the- The, the makeup the, artist. Yeah. The makeup artist as well. And that's because the two of them are having an affair and they get in a car crash at the same time. So yeah, it's that's a, right. It's assumed that he was getting a little road sloppy toppy. They get in a car crash, but also it's kind of it, it's funny because the two like they're together, they're having a, an affair, and mm-hmm. then the person, the people who wind up replacing them are a couple that's actually together. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and and the the one who replaces, of course, the the makeup artist character is his wife, who again she was the very method actor who was like would lose herself in the roles, and they just kind of up into this point they just insinuate that like she stopped acting, she was a fantastic actor, but she she had to stop for this for for like the betterment of the family or like you know kind of thing. But in any case, so so you know the last forty minutes is basically the behind the scene or the behind the camera version of what you saw in the first 35 minutes of the movie so you see that there was just a lot more chaos going on behind the camera um you know uh, the the drunk guy you know who kind of gets hammered and then he ends up like it ends up playing to their advantage because he's just like belligerent you know and just blacked out drunk so and he's throwing up on people which again is like creating genuine fear and disgust from the other cast members but they're but it's being played for real in the movie Mm -hmm. so it's you know like i said there's so many layers of kind of meta to this in that he is they are playing they are doing a film wherein real things happen on a film production set and in this instance 
a real thing does happen that is being played for real, but it was not in the script. So all of these crazy curveballs come their way and they have to improvise and, and change. And it's, it's, it's rare. I mean, it's extremely well-written movie. Yeah. I think it's really um, fun. And, I, I, I think yeah. I appreciate the movie even more just seeing this silly, like a quick, like literally we're throwing the hand into the, into the like building, yeah. you know, all the silly little things you had to do there. I think mm-hmm. it allowed me to appreciate it all a little bit more. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You and they're, like, they're like, fill the time, you know, have Hey, you we got seen a movie going. like this. I just don't think I've seen a movie where it was like this sort of movie within a movie. See, maybe you have, is I don't it, know. No, no, no. This film is like so specific to all the things it sets up. Sure. And a, apparently uh, the film was inspired by a play called ghost in the box. And I can't find, I, I just couldn't find anything mm-hmm. to like, how does that play out? Because I mean, yeah. obviously, if it's based on a play, you're thinking three act structure. Yeah. Uh, so, like, yeah, the, I can't think of another film that does something like this off the top of my head, and is mm-hmm. like so satisfying in the way it mm-hmm. plays out. Mm-hmm. I yeah, can, I can give you a suggestion for another film uh, that is that's also just kind of fun and satisfying, and is like a one cut film. Mm-hmm. Is uh beyond uh, the infinite two minutes. Mm. believe is what it's called oh you've mentioned this one bef- to me before probably yeah it's not uh it's not a horror film it's much more of a uh sci-fi film but mm-hmm. it's also just like a one cut but the entire film is a one cut uh yeah film. i think you've mentioned it's that to Tubi, me before or, or is it on Tubi? <laughs> oh, what's going on the list baby um maybe one of the the i mean i out loud laughed at this every time I've seen this movie is the sound guy it's like heavily implied all the time that he has like diarrhea he has a Mm. chronic diarrhea and so there's all these little awkward scenes of him even in the initial movie that you see he gets captured on screen acting in a very peculiar way he was like a zombie yeah and they're like what is he doing (laughs) and then he gets you know and they, they shove him outside and then he gets puked on and or another guy gets puked on and screams and then they're like okay well that made anyway the scene that cracks me up is when he is literally shitting in the bushes (laughs) well first of all there's this very specific like Japanese way of suggesting that you have to poop in a movie. I don't know if you know what I mean, but it's 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 never like poop like grabbing your butt and running away. It's always this like you're just rigid and stiff and like I don't know how to how to describe it, but it's just like it's a trope that you see in Japanese movies mm. specifically about having to poop, and it's this like it's the squeeze just being walk, froze. Yeah, yeah it's squeeze, squeeze walk, walk, but also being like kind of frozen with fear, yeah. kind of thing. Um, and this guy does that, and then he's over there shitting in the bush, or not even a bush, in like the weeds. Yeah, and they're running out of time because this is all one shot. So like his cue's coming up. And they're applying his makeup while he's shitting in the bushes or in the weeds. And he's crying. <laughs> it's such a funny scene. He's like weeping yeah. while they apply his makeup as it's he's the, shitting. It's the crying that does it for me. Cause oh, I, it's, yeah. I don't, I don't know what it is. And there's like some memory I can't pull back. But it's just like, like something about crying and shitting in the bushes. <laughs> It's just Steve, really funny. Yeah. I think we really need to dive into this. Yeah, I think we'll it, figure I that think out. It, I think it might have been like a family vacation thing. Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah, you're not Somewhere. wanting, you're just not wanting to and it's embarrassing. Let's talk about <laughs> yeah. your PTSD, bud. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm over it. It just makes me laugh now. <laughs> <laughs> Laughing's a trauma response. Um, anyway, so <laughs> everything's a trauma response. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then there's the storyline of the, of the cameraman with a bad back and his like very eager protege. He falls, he slips, gets, it hurts his back. His like young eager protege, like picks up the camera, runs with it. So it's this very like team thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, other thing that I absolutely love and my favorite character is, and I think her name is, is it now she's it's the, Mal? that's the, the camera woman. The no. one that really wants this aspiring? No, no, no. The wife. Oh, the, uh, Harumi. Is that what it is? I thought it was a one syllable thing. I'm going to get it mixed up. Anyway, yeah, the 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 director's wife is my favorite character in this. Uh, so, uh, First of all, she is probably the best actor. Like, she's the best at acting as an actor. But she also um, has, like, a genuine... It's not scary because the whole feel isn't scary. But, like, her face when it within the movie Mm -hmm. within the movie within the movie so the movie you see in the first 30 minutes of her face when it's all like covered in blood and she's basically saying like we have to kill the girl who got bitten her face is like so dead serious (laughs) and then when you see it the second time you know through a very different lens it's even more like Oh my God, you're like, she's lost it. She's yeah. out of her mind. <laughs> um, and my one of my favorite things is the 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 young kind of prima donna actor mm-hmm. who's kind of like consistently bullying the director. Um she just smacks the shit out of him. <laughs> just slaps the shit out of him. She's like, get going, you little bitch. She's just smacking him in the face and just slapping the shit out of him. And then uh, yeah, she completely loses it. Um, and you know, so the last, you know, there's a good 10 minutes in there, I think where they're just trying to corral her and make sure she doesn't hurt anyone too bad, but she is literally like jump kicking people and just going fucking bananas. (laughs) Um, but like I said, ultimately it's this whole kind of family and team coming together thing. The director's family, you know, gives him strength and inspiration to kind of like pull it all off. Um, ultimately, um, the wife, uh, you know, has this like climactic scene where, th- where he like, has to choke her out basically to get her to like, <laughs> s- like, cause she's completely off script. She's just mm-hmm. out yeah. of her fucking She has board. like a, the ax in her head and she's like, right. yeah. yeah. And then she pops nah, up no. and screams, <laughs> yeah. which is, which yeah. is the most unexplainable thing that happens when you watch yeah. the first 30 minute. You have no like, idea why that happened. Why did that yeah. Happen? yeah. Why did that happen? Yeah. Zombies don't do this. You yeah. And head, they just play done. it off. You know, they just play it off. Yeah. Um, but it's anyway, like when you're so playing that, a game when you're a kid and you're like, no, you didn't. You didn't like kill me. You didn't get me. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't get, get me. me. I have force field. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was the other one. Like, so I watched this movie last night for the first or it was Kate watched it with me and it was her first time seeing it. And it was funny how quickly she picked up on stuff that I didn't even the first time going in completely blind and she was as well but even at the end of the first 30 minutes where you see the movie for the first time at the beginning and they're looking down you know they're doing you know essentially like the crane shot Mm -hmm. that ultimately becomes a big plot point at the end she's like what why is it being shot like that and i was like 
that was one thing I didn't really remember being that curious about the first mm-hmm. time I saw it. But ultimately what happened was um, they had a, a, a crane, a little mini, you know, a, a rig, a little mini rig to do like a crane shot. And it uh, got broken during all the, the chaos and mayhem. So they had to do a human pyramid like cheerleader style to get the camera up to the highest level to get the downward shot to like get that you know you know kind of uh credit scene you know payoff shot at the end um and there's this whole like countdown where because they're live so they got to hold on to it for like 15 more seconds and um so it's this kind of very climactic thing at the end and then um yeah. And then ultimately when they pull it off, you get this like very feel good, satisfying scene of them like, hey, we pulled it off kind of thing. And then he shares this moment with his daughter. And then interestingly enough, you do during the credits, get the POV of the, you know, camera behind the camera behind the camera kind of thing. Mm. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's just a very unique movie. It was shot for, I believe, $25,000, equivalent of 25,000 American. And it made back, it it became a a phenomenon in Japan. Um, It was originally only released to like six theaters. So it was almost like a Halloween, but even, even more so in that it was only like six theaters initially. And then it ended up, I think, doing really well on the festival circuit. And then it got a really wide release. And then it ended up getting spun off into TV movies. And it made something like something crazy, 2,000 times its budget or yeah, something it's like, like I that. I think it wound up like 27 million. Yeah. Th- oh, yeah. It was like almost $28 million on a $25,000 mm-hmm. budget. Yeah. Which is just absolutely insane. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and it was all just like, you know, it was it was a really, really clever, well-executed script um, and, and like, you know, just a kind of labor of love film that just like struck with the right audience at the right time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, really clever film. Uh, it's hard, like, it's hard to think, like I already said, we can't, I can't think of anything, any one film that sticks out like this. Mm-hmm. But like, it feels like they took something that Christopher Guest would do, just because of all the comedy of errors that happens, sure. you know. Yep. And they just, but they don't do the talking head parts. No. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, it's uh, it's it's all very like shown in its in its. I don't know how to how to put it. I guess cinematic way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In that, not only is it literally in a cinematic way in the first 30 minutes but then the second like that 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 middle act is almost like a like i said almost shot like this like uh i don't know melodrama kind of thing mm-hmm. comedic melodrama and then the last one is like yeah comedy of errors mm-hmm. type of film so it's almost like three distinctly different films it's yeah yeah unlike any any movie i've i've seen yeah that's cool yeah like that's part of the production because like that again that first 30 minutes because it is meant to feel like uh, a one take i don't i don't know for sure that it is a full one take 30 minutes i don't think it is no like i feel like there's a couple times where like the camera spun that i'm like ah they probably cut right there yeah there's enough camera spins and i even think when they wipe the blood off the camera 
that's actually mm. a cut and i think Probably. that's like i think that's like a smart cut because you wouldn't think yeah. it would be there sure. but yeah. it just I, f- I feel like it just when they wipe the blood off there they shift in the frame and i was like mm, that might have been a cut but, yeah because you're also seeing plenty of things that are happening off camera mm-hmm. you know uh off the camera that is making the movie about making a movie. Right. You know, like the scene when the guy shitting in the weeds, get putting his makeup on. Yeah. Like that's nobody saw that except for us as an audience. Right. You know? So like, so yeah, it's, it's kind of brilliant in that, in the, in the way, like they film that and you know, it's a one take, so there's not going to be good lighting. Uh, so that's why it doesn't look well lit as the second half does. It doesn't mm-hmm. look, yeah, uh, uh, they probably shot on a lower grade camera. Mm-hmm. you know than the other ones and then because the first third and the second or uh, the first third and the last third occur in the same location you save shit tons of money on fucking budget <laughs> like you, mm-hmm. it's it's basically a one location shoot you yeah. know the the there's like the apartment a couple outside scenes and the tv studio is the, yeah. the rest of it yeah yeah and they make it feels uh, yeah like i said the way they shoot it the fact that they likely use a couple of different cameras you know it's lit entirely differently Mm -hmm. yeah it gives a lot more like i don't know how to say it dynamic kind of presence to the set like you feel like you've been in more places even though you've really only been in like two places right um but yeah so that's right, it. Guys. That's my movie. Yeah. Here's your movie. Great yeah. movie. But is it the best horror movie? Right. Yeah. Listen, I, 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 I knew I was taking a risk there because it's it's more a movie about a horror movie than yeah. it is a pure horror movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you don't know that at first. No, not when at first. When you watch the first 30, 40 minutes, you think you're watching a horror movie and you're meant to think that and you are essentially watching a horror movie. You only come to learn later that you're watching a movie about the making of a horror movie. And you still feel like it's possible (laughs) that a real horror element could be introduced at the end. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're not sure exactly where it's going, but then it just kind of ends on a family feel good thing, which is fine. Like it's it's the wife might chop somebody's arm off. Like you really think that that might happen because she is, out of her mind wielding an axe you know yeah (laughs) but like you could you know in the end you wind up going oh well the whole zombie thing is a framing device and like it could literally be any other genre of film they were shooting Mm -hmm. you know it could have been like a tv sitcom and that and it still had all the you know comedy of errors things happening in it uh i I, but uh, you know like shooting a zombie film does lend more to like slapstick stuff yeah so yeah because they're slow moving and there's you could be dumb and you yeah. know, all that stuff and you get mm-hmm. scenes with the wife kicking real actors you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know so you get you get slapstick out of that so mm-hmm. you know but yeah it could have also just been another comedy or an action mm-hmm. film or something mm-hmm. else so sure yeah yeah for sure Okay. <sighs> all right where all right, are we yes. at here guys we gonna do a little vote i think i get to choose the order as well once mm-hmm. again yeah. default that is to the me. plan um i've already <laughs> thought about this i was thinking about it i wish our our listeners could 
see all your hand gestures like that there's just a <laughs> lot, Maybe it's a lot. Point lost. If we, we go to patreon yeah. we'll do video maybe we can release this video and then people can yeah. see how distracted i get as well majority <laughs> of the episode i'm like Ugh. um or they get to see you you kiss your sweet daughters good night you know that's also oh, yeah they always sneak in at some point and i um, give them a kiss and then me just like eating a get bunch my of Twitch M&Ms. lighting, which I also realized <laughs> yeah. on this episode fucks on my eyebrows. So don't let's we're not putting this on air. Your your um, Nicholas Wending Riffin <laughs> neon demon lighting. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Steve, you're gonna go first to vote. Brian, sure. you're gonna go second to vote. Bitch is going last. I see. I see. Okay. I see how this shit goes. Sure. <laughs> so obviously, I'm not changing my first initial vote. Henry, I'm not either. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not either. Texas Chainsaw has not aged well for me. Mm. It it is like I appreciate it. It's fast and like there's still a lot of good things in it because of what the way Toby shot it, Mm -hmm. and just like anything that doesn't involve an actor is great. (laughs) But when you involve an actor, it gets bad sometimes. Mm -hmm. And there's you know, thankfully he kills off a lot of those actors pretty quickly, and the movie itself moves fast. Um, but also that budget it inflated. It's almost a million dollars, whereas one cut of the debt is only twenty five thousand. <laughs> and in nineteen seventies money, twenty five thousand dollars that was like eight. Uh, I mean, it was like eighteen bucks in a pack of smokes. Yeah, you could get a house for that <laughs> if you deflate that. If you deflate action, it. Right. you guys already lost your chance to nix this as an option for budget and inflation. But I can take it into consideration. Yeah. Yeah. All we you want. Cons- you sh- we you can, can consider who did the most with what they had. So sure. um, I did say I was pulling a Megan. Yeah. I, mm. I will still vote for Texas though, because it just, it is a good singular vision film and it did spawn a whole bunch of other things. I don't think anybody will ever be able to make another film that's like one cut of the dead. You can't just make something like that the same way mm-hmm. you can't. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw Skinnaman Rink yet. Oh, no, I was actually I thinking I might watch like it tonight. things though, guys. Okay. Sure. Any hoops. Well, I mean, it's, it's a divisive film. I think I'm going to get stoned and watch it at, literally right after I this. I so. find it Great. on Shutter. I don't know why. I was having literal issues like Googling it or searching mm. it on Do you have um, the, the like Amazon or like the AMC plugin thing? No, you just have oh. the Shutter app? Well, yeah, mm. no, no. Through, I mean, I have my Fire Stick go to specifically the Shutter app, which has been my mm. least problematic thing. I I'll try it again. I will try it mm. again. But I was having issues, guys. Mm. You know, okay. I'm just gonna say I'm not. I'm stupid. I'm a dummy girl. <laughs> you should see her all the hand gestures she's doing right now. It's like fucking pantomiming everything she said. Because people would understand the irony of like how I think they would understand my sarcasm more if they saw my hand gestures. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. You probably would. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there, there's something missed in the translation, but <laughs> so, but okay. With, with that film, though, like the the director won't be able to reproduce that film as a second film because people mm. have already seen behind like everything he's done. So you just can't redo it. So like it, it is a singular vision. But, you know, Toby Hooper was able to recreate what he did. He made a more Hollywood film and mm. it inspired more people to do uh, what they did. And probably even inspired, you know, McNaughton a little bit when he made Henry. 
So, yeah. you know, but I would also say Truman Capote is inspired him as well within Cold Blood. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's why I'm picking Texas. I just, yeah. Uh, One Cut of the Dead is a singular vision and it's a singular film that can't be reproduced, even though they yeah. made a French remake and I never watched it. I don't care. They watch it? Really? It's called Final Ooh, Cut. Yeah, it's called Final lame. Cut. Ooh, fucking lame. Um, all right. I am... It pains me because Texas Chainsaw is one of my favorite movies. And I know for all it's worth, the bad acting, whatever, you know, I don't really care about that. I love the movie. I would say that if we're going to wait this, and I'm actually surprised, Steve, that that you didn't lean into this harder because Steve's always the stickler for... <laughs> Does it fit within the 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 topic of the right. showdown? Right. And I think that's the thing that hurts this the most is two things. One, it's not a micro budget movie, Texas Chainsaw. Like it is low ish. It's a low budget movie. Mm-hmm. It didn't cost millions and millions of dollars, but it costs. X, uh, I, I can't even do the math on top of my head. Four times seven, whatever. It costs, you know, 30 times probably with inflation as much as my movie cost. Sure. You know what I mean? Mm. And it did a lot of revolutionary things. But I also, and, and this is not, I mean, this is your, I'm not ripping on it. This is just like when my, my vote, I have to take this into consideration. When I think micro budget, I think... Not necessarily unknown, but stuff that kind of overcame some some adversity and found its adversity or boundaries, you yeah. know, that 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 like it was an outsider type of movie. And I get Toby Hoopers was a, to a certain extent, but also it was like fairly well financed. Yeah. Um, I get these like outsider productions that were really great or really influential or really enjoyable in spite of the the financial challenges that it dealt with and i think henry does that better i don't think it's as good of a movie it's certainly not as influential of a movie but it's a really effective movie and like it absolutely with all the adversity that it dealt with with the mpaa and getting um, an x rating and then still making a lot of money back and then becoming like a cult classic movie and also like i'd be curious oh for sure yeah yeah it's got a huge following it's it has Um, such a cult classic they made a sequel 12 years later that was terrible gross (laughs) yeah yeah but there wasn't anything after that let's be clear Anywho, uh, I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna not open this can of worms right yum, now. Yum, Continue, yum. Brian. And yum 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 yum. 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 I, it, <laughs> she turns into a cat. <laughs> yum 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 yum. Um, I I just don't. And also, I listen. Long history. I take exception to Meg picking monster movies all the time. <laughs> like I pick a, a a fairly little known Japanese movie. Steve picks this like cult classic. Meg we know this, Texas guys. You chainsaw. guys both have a far better repertoire of No, no, movies. it's not even that. It it's is, just though. like, this is like part of the, this is like one of the top 10 most like, this This is one of the top 10 most known horror movies of Did all time. I say I was pulling a Meg. 
Yeah. So I don't know if, if it was if it was that honestly, if it was Blair Witch, like I would I would pick Blair Witch because Blair Witch, even though I don't think Blair Witch is as good of a movie and is certainly not as influential as a movie as Texas Chainsaw, it was truly a micro budget mm-hmm. movie. That was promoted super wait, wait, cleverly. Would you have chosen Creep if I would have chosen Creep? Because that was actually the other option. Creep I would have put alongside, although Creep had, um, although it was made for a lot less, I have the feeling Creep was more of an, I don't want to say an, was an easier insider move, movie. But it, but it was but it had an easier recognized, road. It had an easier yes, road. Easy, yes, it had. Um, Heard. I see where your brains are going Well-known directors. Boys. Yeah. In any case. Um, so I'm going with Henry. I'm I'm I'm, I'm picking Henry. Yeah. Just just the uh, uh, not defend myself, but explain myself. I guess like you're you're absolutely right, Brian. As far as like you know what embodies micro budget better, it's just <laughs> yours isn't as much of a horror film. Oh, like, I can understand if you, if that. You pick, yeah. If you literally if you picked Skin and Rink, which I don't love, but it has the same thing of being made for fifteen thousand and breaking mm-hmm. into the normie space. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah. movie shouldn't have broken out as it did, or right. it's surprising that it did. Mm-hmm. I would have picked it over yeah. Texas just because it has that same thing of like not having an easy road, being a nobody filmmaker made yeah. for nothing. And it makes it into this you know world that, OK, everybody knows it mm-hmm. now. <laughs> yep. Yep. Go Dope. ahead, Meg. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> Go the fuck Brides ahead, Meg. Not, go fuck ahead. <laughs> I'm not diving back into the same argument we had earlier. Um, I already walked into this knowing if what well, my second pick was. Sorry, no one swayed me either way. Um, I agree in general that I don't feel like Brian's film hits like a lot of the horror elements. It is a, a subgenre of zombie films, though, in my book. Mm. In my book, it mm. does hit some zombie elements, even though taking its own liberties, that I'm not going to delay this anymore, and I'm choosing Brian's film as my second. Oh, no. Sure. Well, see, this is the thing. This is going to result in probably in Meg winning, right? Because sure. now it goes to the listeners. Although, guys... Let me insist upon something. <laughs> Listen to the episode before you vote. Now, of course, I'm speaking, I'm preaching to the choir yeah. here because the people who are hearing my voice right now have, of course, listened to the episode. But we are going to have to take it to the social medias. And you know what? I'm very sad because I already had a, a, a fucking gem gem of a uh, uh, a punishment movie picked out uh, and Steve threw a goddamn curveball. I thought I was going to get him with this, but I understand it's not a pure horror movie. Mm-hmm. I almost thought case, Steve was going to think he was going to get me with this. I almost thought yeah. he was he was mm. playing those games. Yeah. No, well, I just picked it because it's a good movie. It's effective. Yeah. Sure, Brian. Or sure, Steve. Learn who we are. Sure. This is the second time you've done this in well, this episode. Also, you voted. She, he voted for you, and you're Guys, giving I shit. I have dementia. Let's just say that. <laughs> He's he voted for your movie, and he, she's going sure, Steve. Sure. Yeah. It's like you literally voted for a movie. Um, in any case, um, 
So we're going to have to take it only. I mean, this is doesn't happen very often. We're going to have to take it to the social medias um, and, uh, and 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 let you guys decide who's going to take it home. So we got a cliffhanger, guys. We got a to be continued T-U-B-I. Um, so can we? Yeah. Like we know we know no, but- Meg's going to win just by name recognition only. Mm-hmm. But like, can we? Can we limit it so that she's not allowed to sh- reshare the Instagram story? <laughs> yeah, like it, she's like nobody. She's nobody gets okay. to reshare the Instagram story. It stays on. It stays Pinky, on Halloween is forever, I, and that's it. Pinky's it stays on Halloween is forever. I will okay. do the only thing I will do. Okay, because what is I did call before was every one of your friends, <laughs> basically, but on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Um, I sent it to all my friends. She's gonna DM yeah. it all. <laughs> like no, she's gonna DM you, the story. Hey, Brian, Brian, you will be able to see if I if you get um story shares. You both will be able to see. True, but you could what screenshot I, it and send mm-hmm. it. No, I mean, I mean <laughs> I'm not gonna. What I'm gonna know, say I'm is that I will share it to my own personal story. Hmm. I'm going to give my pitch. I don't think it's going to be a hard pitch. Wait. But any hoops. No, you don't I share. I thought you just said you weren't going to do that. No, you don't I'll share. share to my story. So, no, you guys, No, you don't you're share. You're going to tag me. You're going to tag no, me. No, I'm not going to tag you. No, none of us, okay. none of us so are none sharing None of us are sharing. None of us are sharing it to our personal. None of us are sharing. Okay, not well, then I need a screenshot of the winnings page. because I don't have access to our Instagram. Okay? You should. You <laughs> You, I, you need to send it to me again. Send it to me it's again. The, it's the same login. I'm sorry I, you lost the we, password. Fuck you guys. Send no, it I to will. Me. I will screenshot. I will screenshot it. I will screenshot it. Guys. 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 Vote for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Don't do that. You know don't you vote like for, it. That's like, yeah, that's like, you know, voting for the Patriots to win the Super Bowl don't be or basic. some shit. Like, you yeah. can't help when things are good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Check it out on the social media. This just gives us another reason why you should go follow us on the social media so you can help us pick in dire situations like this, guys. You get to decide who the fucking champ is, which who is ultimately going to decide who the next mini zone is. So go check us out on the social media. I will post it to our Instagram stories in the coming days, guys. Go on there, vote, decide who's going to win the showdown for this month. It usually don't happen like this, but sometimes it do. So, all right. Anything else we need to mention regarding the the predicament we're currently in? No. No, this is it. <laughs> no, you just have Meg, to stay tuned and we'll announce Meg, what the episode can't is. see you. Meg exactly. is over there for some reason doing exactly. double deuces exactly. with a big smile on her face. Exactly. I don't know why. Because it's fucked up and it's a joke, but it's a joke for you guys. Okay. She's Nixon, she's Nixon campaigning at us. Yeah, she's out it's there double deucing it. Man, my joke. It's a fucking joke. <laughs> you are a fucking joke. For the Halloween is Forever crew, I'm Brian. I am your February champion. No. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm Steve. (laughs) All right. Don't vote for Meg. Bye. Don't vote for Meg. It's fucked up, guys. You can't add that. Bye.